And now, introducing the man who's having second thoughts about challenging Aaron Donald to a fight after seeing the photos of his previous opponent as while he insists that, quote, these hands still work just fine, I just can't afford to risk any damage to my face with modeling season right around the corner, unquote. Even though he's gotten weird glances and general judgment from everyone he talks to, he's remained steadfast in his decision to, quote, mix in some old classics like Whilst, Ye old, and Cockalorum, unquote, into his vernacular to appear more refined. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of Pressbox. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Kyle. We're here some friends joining us on the program today. Bo Smolka, it's been a little while. We'll find out what he thinks about the Ravens' pursuit for a veteran edge rusher. Also, the, uh, the annual Liars Luncheon coming up next week. I don't really know what else there is to learn at this point. Maybe I mean, they'll I'm, drop a name, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's that. There's also the possibility that they maybe somehow further address. Like, I mean, we are, ironically, Bradley Nikki Bozeman join us today. I guess there is still some world in which they just come out and say, He's by the way, seven, we've made a right. decision. This is the position that Bradley Bozeman's playing. Bradley can't tell us that. In stunning fashion, we've once again scheduled him just before they will have the ability to announce anything. If well, that were but to be I, don't, the case. I don't think they will. But the, if they did. I, I don't think there's any chance that they'll do that. It's but okay. it's possible, I guess. I just don't really even know what else news-wise there could be. There could be. They're not going to go and tell you. Here are the veteran free agents we're interested. Well, that's in that's. Well, I mean, we know who they're interested in. But like, they're not going to say, yeah, tight end. We are still oh, well, monitoring I mean, the markets for. They'll say they'll say generically all of those things. Right. But they'll they're say, not going to give you specifics. Well, they're not going to. I mean, they one, they're not allowed to. You're not allowed to just talk about any player in the world. Like you, if they sign somebody, they'll tell. And for what it's worth. Once upon a time, the year of the draft luncheon was the day that they announced they had signed Robert Griffin the third. And it was just how they let off the draft lunch. And it was like, oh, okay, way, how about yeah. that? So it's not impossible that they couldn't play it out that way, that they all happen to get together that day and they say, let's bring, let's bring somebody in that day because we're all going to be in the building anyway. That's, that's plausible. But, you know, it depends on what we think the likelihood is of them actually signing someone before we get to that May 3rd date where it no longer impacts your compensatory picks. We know it won't be Javion Clowney. He officially signed in Cleveland, so scratch him off the list. We'll see if it ends up being one of these other guys. The word is that Justin Houston wants to sign before the draft. Of course, I want a lot of things. There's a lot of things that that I want in the world. That doesn't mean necessarily that Somebody's going to sign. You Justin also Houston want to sign before, before the draft. It would be great if it was <laughs> yeah. I- ideally. Right, yeah. Why would I want to wait <laughs> to do what exactly? What am I going to do with my time? So you know, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, Bradley and Nikki are going to join us. Uh, Bo Smoke is going to join us. Also coming up a little bit later on, Stan Clyburn. Uh, he is the manager of the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs down in Waldorf, Waldorf Worldwide, as the Madden Brothers once said. We will check in with him as there are some experimental rules coming to the Atlantic League this season. And unlike some of the other rules that are COVID-related, these are more like the future of the game-related, moving the rubber back a foot, and also the double hook rule. And that's the one that I think is more fascinating from a manager's perspective. I think he can sort of hypothesize about what the moving the rubber back will do, but far more fascinating from a manager's perspective, 
what you're going to do when Double Hookamania runs wild on you. Hmm. I believe that was what they put in the press release. Exactly the way that it went. I don't don't know. I don't know if this will truly force managers to leave pitchers in longer or – if they'll just sort of deal with the consequences and say and it was it was said that they could like there's alternate ways right they would replace with a pinch pinch hitter so you could just have right but you at some point run out of guys on your bench you can only use one you can't just bat that pinch hitter as the new DH is that the implication or is no, you, you can certainly only, cannot each time you have to have a new pinch hitter in that spot yes you you can't suddenly make that person right. the, the DH is gone yeah. that's the pitcher spot in the lineup so if you pinch hit you have to change pitchers. Mm-hmm. And then that pitcher comes up again. It's like playing National League ball at that point. So you'd have to have enough guys on the bench in order to keep putting a new pinch hitter up every time or a new pitcher came to the plate. Pitchers who can hit. I, I guess. There aren't like, many of them. Not many. There's very, the very few of them. have one in their system. Uh, right. They Hunter do Green. have Hunter Green, sure. But um, we'll talk to Stan Clyburn about that later on in the program. That's all coming up on a Thursday edition of GCR. Orioles going to play another double header today, um, which I know you guys love. Seven more innings and seven more innings of baseball after they were rained out again last night. And I was wondering at what point, like if this didn't work, maybe they just try like a five-inning triple header and see if that's what they do the next time around, just like yep, throw anything out not, there. Right. Just keep just keep throwing it up Underhand, against the wall, see if it sticks. Beer league softball. Yeah, sure, why not? Like just see if there's some world in which you can make it, pull off these games however you might have to, uh, they're going to attempt to play two this afternoon. Seattle got away from they were like, finally, we're going to get away from the rain, you know? Yeah, right. Get to a nice place. <laughs> nice place. I don't know. How well, nice. yeah. Yeah. Get to a, a nicer weather-wise It's not humid place. yet. No, it's not. It's uh, Actually, today it's very nice. Beautiful. In fact. Hey, act now. Beat the rush. Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture, and garden windows. Every style, every color. Plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Before I get into the meat of the program, uh, uh, up yours, Andrew Stetka. There was 1,000% sexual tension between Tony Stark and Aunt May in Civil War and with Pepper Potts literally not being in the movie and Gwyneth Paltrow making some pretty serious comments about the idea that she didn't think she was coming back at the time. Everyone on the planet assumed they were going a direction of Tony Stark and Aunt May getting together. Marvel or Goop, right? Like, there's... It's a great question, right? Like, I mean, I, by the way, they're both quite successful. Know, right? That's the. That's I've the, never even. I can't even conceptualize a, the goop. There's but. a. There's a candle that smells like. Yeah, I get that, and I don't really discuss uh, does it. It's not, one of those things does, that I, I have just no leave, idea why that's a thing that exists. Leave in its own niche. No idea. And like why that thing exists, but good if you can pull I, it off. Good for you. I don't know. I'm not going to think too hard about it. But now we one thousand. I said Marissa Tomei to start. You brought up Aunt May. Well, because she is Aunt May. But she's Marissa Tomei. She's it's fine. She's Aunt May. She's, she's Marissa Aunt May. Tomei. She's Aunt May. By the way, I thought we it went the other way. I thought no, no. no. I said Marissa Tomei specifically. For, you were talking about the nice. I was talking about the lady that was comforting. And so all you that. were saying Aunt May. Yeah, I no. I think you brought up Aunt May. No. Yes. I brought up Marissa Tomei. No, you keep trying to say that. I, I don't, don't think. I think I just brought up Marissa Tomei. Whatever. Marissa Tomei is Aunt May. I'm no, not sure why this is. She she's is. So many different people. Than That's that. fine, including Aunt May. Why are you being weird about this? Now I'm gonna have to yell at you. Look, I'm yelling at Stecka. It's it's that doesn't define her, Glenn. <laughs> Who said it defines her? You. 
When did that ever come up? You just insist on Weirdo? only calling her Aunt May. Jesus. I will defend her on What the hell is going on? Because maybe if she hears it, then she'll be like, that's a good guy. And then maybe, you know. I don't Maybe know. we have a future. There's George Costanza. I don't know. I don't know what just happened here, but I know I have a headache because I of, will stick up for no Marissa Tomei. Idea what just happened You're here? You're welcome. But it gives me a damn headache. It's not the first time. Now Stecco was right. We definitely botched oh, we other, John yeah. Favreau. One thousand percent botched that. Well. Now, that was led by you, and I didn't bother to... I just was going it along with wrong, it. felt wrong, like I said on Twitter. It felt wrong when it came yeah. out. I was like, I started thinking about it for a second, but then I was like, well, Glenn didn't immediately oh, I was just, raise an eyebrow. I was eyebrow trying to move or... on. This is the part of the program that wasn't <clears throat> worth... This is what we're doing right now. We're <clears throat> spending way too much time on the wrong part of the no, show. No, 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 no. I'm but, sorry. Was the baseball game last night good? Ah, hell of a... Well, I don't know if you saw Carlos Rodon throw a no-hitter. It was a good I got a buddy who just happened to be at the game last night. I've gone to a million baseball games in my life. I've never seen a no hitter. Me neither. The the guy that I've gotten to know because he's a listener to job. How many out. games do you think you've actually been to in your life? I don't know. Oh well, it's over. not a. I mean, it's not a million. No, but it's more than a thousand. In my life, yeah. Yes. Hang on. Let me think about. Isn't this. that interesting? That's the kind of stuff I want to know. The stat no, department. I don't. I don't. I don't postmortem. Really, the postmortem really stat department. It's probably not a thousand. It's probably not a thousand. That's a lot of games. When I was in Arizona. I was, and we're only counting regular. We're we counting regular season and postseason. Yeah, are we yeah. counting spring training? I'm counting the minor counting? league game as well. Oh, well then yeah, a thousand. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, a thousand. Because I mean, I started going to games when I was like six. Come on, I mean, it's thirty. So how 30 many plus games years. would you go to a year? You think when you were younger? When I was a child, only a handful. I mean, like when yeah, I was like six at most, right? Yeah, something like that. Between major, but like I would go to random. My I, my my aunt and uncle lived in. Um, Northern Virginia, and they would take me. God, I don't even know what the team was. It became the Potomac Nationals, but I don't even remember what. The t- I think it was the. I think the Yankees. Oh no, were the affiliate at the they time. They probably shouldn't allow that. And they would take me to those. Unless they games. were sabotaging, that would be a good. Yeah, that would be a hell of a yeah. bit, wouldn't it? Um, so I went to. I went to those. There was briefly. I don't know if anybody even remembers this. There was an independent league, minor league team in Bel Air called like the Maryland. The Fresh Princes, Mania that or something. Be good, though? I believe they played at Hartford Community College, and my my uncle had was all in on that. He also was the first, like, when the moment the Ironbirds were announced, he like immediately put down his deposit for season tickets, and they've been we've for every year since then we've been going to a handful. Good of investment now, right? Well, I love it. I love it. I mean, you know? I mean, it's great best ballpark in minor leagues almost. It's, oh, it's always been tremendous. So yeah, it's it's over a thousand. I don't, but I don't. I don't think I've got there. It's not. It's not. It's not much more than that. It's it's either over or right around a thousand Fair in enough. my life that I've been to. Especially when I, when I was in Arizona, I was going to every Diamondbacks game because I was kind of ha- covering the How Diamondbacks many has at that Stevens point. Patrick Stevens been to? Do you think? Oh, actually, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's a number <laughs> that can't be measured. Cannot be measured. All right, a uh, couple of things I wanted to get to this morning. One from Dave. Dave said uh, it was the Prince William Cannons, Brian Powell informs me. Oh. That was the name of the team. Were they the Yankees, Brian? Was that what they were? I, I could have sworn. I like Either that or the day that I was there, like the first day. One of two things occurred, because this is when I was really young, so like you barely have memories. Right. I remember seeing Yankees gear from fans of the game. Also, at this point, the stadium, I don't think, had a lot in the way of permanent seating. <laughs> I, good bit. I believe we were all like sitting on a hill, if I remember. To be correctly. fair, though, in San Diego, that's a fun feature of the stadium. Uh, no, this was, but that was. It's only You're one spot. About, this guess, is down like the, down the, the majority of the the crowd. I remember was, seeing Vladimir Guerrero in the minors. I 
not in I was the very minors, young. Not in the minors, but I one of one of the great joys. One, this is why spring training baseball is so great. Like when you're you're sitting in a minor league park mm-hmm. and you're watching Vladimir Guerrero play baseball. Yeah, it's just such a joy, man. It's such. They're a like that guy's better joy. than the other guys in the field. Oh, it was so great. Who's the Sea the Sea Dogs? That was a the team. Por- the Portland Sea Dogs. That's a team, right? I think that was a thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think you might have been on that team. I, I'll choose to believe you, but I can't. I can't confirm that. Nor did I remember I, loving I the Sea no Dog idea. logo. It was a great logo. It was a great logo. <laughs> I do remember those hats being yeah. around a little bit more than there was any reason for there to be Portland Sea Dogs hats. Yeah. Anywhere, so we've handled this portion. Of I the got program. more. C-dogs. We've we've uh, battled with Andrew Stecka about uh, the battled Marvel with each stuff. Other about Marissa we did. That was a really weird. I bit. will defend her honor. And but nobody's nobody's okay, knocking right. Marissa right. Tomei. One of us. We're, all of us. One are of us huge, came to her defense. There's not one of us that isn't a huge uh-huh. Marissa Tomei fan. No, one of us came to her. Defense. How how old do you think Marissa Tomei is right she's, now? I guarantee she's over fifty. Oh, that's, she's definitely unbelievable. Over 50. She's fifty three. I, I was gonna say fifty six. I don't think she's over fifty five. I'm gonna say that. Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei. <coughs> yeah, fifty-eight. Fifty-six. Good God. On the nose. She's a. Not that I'm a creep or anything. She's just the best. They were a Yankee affiliate from '87 to '93. Ha ha. We're on ha, fire ha, this morning. Ha, ha, ha. The now, bases we've covered. Now the part that's gonna be confusing is uh, Brian Powell's just doing some. By the way, live research. Yeah, right. Finally. The Portland Sea Dogs were an affiliate of the Red Sox, so that math. Does not necessarily work. I don't know. There's a Lancaster. We were we had family in Lancaster. The Lancaster Barnstormers was that the name of the team? Maybe I know it was Vlad Guerrero. We saw so, which team and which affiliate he was playing for? That I have to find out. Don't know. Don't know. All right. Anyway, so uh, yeah, we've done all that. Now we can move on. Yeah. I got a couple of messages from after yesterday's show. We've been talking a lot about rules related stuff, and again, I mentioned we're going to be doing that with Stan Clyburn later on in the program. This is from Dave. Dave said, um, Glenn, appreciate what you're saying about the double hook. I actually think that I am somewhat interested in the rule as I want to see pitchers go longer. That being said, how much do you think these are actually experiments that could end up coming to the major leagues versus trying to make people happy by saying, hey, look, we messed around with it. It just didn't work. Don't know, Dave. Don't know. I don't know. I don't really know. I don't what think the there's the, there's any reason to appease. Yeah, who's who was asking specifically? Like they're trying for... to create interest. They're not like trying to to quell people who are like a, a mob of people clamoring. Um, I'm also trying to do the math on what other things were experimented with. The Atlantic League is typically the place where they experiment with these things, and I'm trying to think of what other things were experimented with in the last couple of years. Did they put the runner on second first there, or was that in the, just the minors in general? I think that was in the minors in general. I, so too. Um, I don't know. I don't see. I think this is them trying to put it in a place where nobody will really notice and evaluate it. But, you know. Right. It's I mean, here's one. In 2019, the Atlantic League uh, banned mound visits, required pitchers to face at least three batters. That, yeah, that was implemented. That did end up being implemented. Uh not banning mound visits. But sure. Look, I think... I mean, of these two rules, man, I don't know which one I would say would be more likely to have a chance to go to the big leagues. I really don't. I don't know how or what kind of reaction there would be from pitchers about the foot back, right? Like, I don't know well, whether it would be a big deal or a little deal. I think there would be... Like, people, they're shaping pitches, right? Like, pitchers are in labs, in scientific labs, 
creating and trying to craft pitch shapes. Yes. So a foot is not nothing, right? Like oh. these pitches break exactly three feet in moment, front of yeah. home plate. Yeah. So I think they'd be upset. I think that would probably be something they would not just be okay with. Then again, like the DH thing feels a bit extreme, doesn't it? Um, it feels extreme, and and I keep struggling. This is the part that I brought up yesterday. I keep struggling with what's the actual point of this because, as I said, if the point is to try to split the baby in half and appease both National League people and American League people, get the entire F out of here with that. That That's insanity. I think the point We're, is to just try to... It. I don't think they could be like, look, these guys are throwing max effort. These pitchers are always trying to get velocity. Like I feel like I'm Ross Grimms right now. It feels like the effort is to get pitchers to try to pitch and throw and throw less kind of thing, right? Like, have starters get back to being conscious of, you know, like we used to hear that the best pitchers would be able to crank it up to 98, but they'll sit at 92, right? Mm-hmm. John Means found he has better control at a lower velocity than he does at a higher velocity. It doesn't change that pitchers these days are largely throwing as hard as they can. It's also so hilarious that we talk about 92 and 98 as they're, they're drastically different in the way, but, I mean... These like, hitters are correct. They're that, incredible. Yep. Um, so it's, I think they're just trying to find ways to get a starting pitcher back to a starting pitcher the way that it was used to be known. I I mean, like, I, I, maybe, right? Like, maybe that's what it is, but I, I don't know what that, who is that benefiting? Is it benefiting the occasional pitching gem that you get? Is that what they're trying to get out of this? Is that every now and then? Um, what was the Cleveland-Chicago matchup earlier in the week that everybody was hot Giolito and bothered about? and Bieber. And Bieber, right? Everybody was all excited about the fact that Lucas Giolito and, and Shane Bieber. just going at it. Right, exactly right, in a pitching matchup. And it, it, ended, up, and it ended up living up to the billing, right? Like 28 like, strikeouts between the two of them or Correct. They, like they both were great. Seven innings and nine innings, respectively. A hundred percent. And so every now and then in baseball, you come across something like that. Is Is implementing this rule, is the purpose of this – to try to get more of those, or is that's implementing about talent, right? Like that's you're not. This isn't going to turn right a middling pitcher into right. a guy that's going to be dominant for seven to nine innings. It feels more punitive to the analytic teams in that in trying to somehow stretch out the average start for. 28 out of 30 teams who are still trying to adhere to the idea that a starter can maybe get you five innings. Right. You're you're now harming the ones like the Rays who have crafted their roster in a way You think this is more specifically about getting rid of bullpenning. I don't I don't know if that was the reason, but I think that's well, I think the it's people who are hurt maybe the most. I think most. it's certainly, you know, is is collateral damage. It at seems the like least. they're the ones who are hurt the most, right? Yeah, I like, mean, if if you're if the if you believe that bullpenning is the way moving forward, baseball is trying to step in and say no more bullpenning, and that's the part that they won't say. And so I can't figure out if that that might be the singular purpose. It might be the singular purpose of this idea is we don't like bullpenning. 
The starting pitcher matters for a lot of reasons. Gambling, chief among them, right? Jeremy Kahn was just talking about this the other day, talking about this. When you bet baseball, what you're really betting is the starting pitcher matchup. And so baseball, identifying that gambling is the lifeblood of sports at this point, might say, we need starting pitchers again. This is bad for us and our revenue and what we can make from these gambling companies. And the gambling companies say, you need to have starting pitchers. One of the biggest problems we have right now is too many teams are bullpenning. And we don't really know who's pitching, and so people don't want to bet on it. So we need starting pitchers. And baseball might say, well, how do we force teams to get away from bullpenning? And what can we put out there without outright saying it, mm-hmm. without coming out and saying, we're going to force you to get away from bullpenning how can because we want to adhere to gambling, which baseball feels as though they can't say. Sure. So what can we do that essentially takes care of that without us saying that's what we're doing? Well, we'll come up with this sort of cockamamie scheme where we'll call it a double hook and we'll force teams to have pitchers stay in games a little bit longer. If a guy's getting rocked, obviously they're going to get pulled no matter what, whatever the cost is. Sure. If someone's getting rocked, they're getting pulled from the game. I mean, it'll be tough for a team like Minnesota, right, like taking Nelson Cruz out of the lineup and being like, well, now we have to bat whoever, right? right? Like, Correct, 1,000%. It would be horrendous for a team like that. Now, obviously they're not dealing with it right, right now, and it might not be implemented until Nelson Cruz is no longer playing, although if you're telling me Nelson Cruz might still be able to hit home runs for another six or seven years – I might believe you at this point because Lord knows there's no doubting that man and his capabilities. I, I, I don't know. Is my I don't know if that's the specific target of this, and they're being so vague in what they're describing the purpose of this rule to be that it's totally plausible that it's just specifically about ending bullpenning, about saying every team's got to have five starting pitchers. For betting reasons, we need that for the sport of baseball. You've got to have five starting pitchers. Everybody in the country needs to be able to look at the list of starting pitchers and decide if they want to bet the game or not moving forward. That's the way it's got to be. Might be the case. Do I think it's going to happen? I mean, we haven't been able to get movement on the DH in decades. How long has this been a topic? Essentially, since the implementation mm-hmm. of the designated the hitter, 70s, right? there's been debate about whether or not there should be a DH in both leagues. There's been no movement. It's a, it has for to be bargained decades. over. It's not like they could unilaterally implement it, right? Like this is specifically talking about removing. Oh, sort of. It's really kind of a gray area, I guess. It's not like you're taking away roster spots from DHs. No, they're still going to technically be on the team, but their value would decrease, and I'm sure the players' association would not like that. Although. You know, does it increase? I, I don't know who it increases value for. No one, frankly. I mean, does players it in- who can field? What do you mean? Players who can field are, you know, now they're going to play. They don't have to worry about this. Well, okay, yeah, it doesn't. Imp- <laughs> but it doesn't increase their value. Well, relatively. No. If by them, the other people losing value. But that, again, that doesn't arbitrarily increase. No, they're theirs. not definitely going to get paid more. Correct. That's the point, right? It doesn't. This isn't saying we're going to shift money over and instead of giving it to DHs, we're going to give it to somebody else, right? Like, there's. I guess. I guess that seems crazy. A, a very small number of relief pitchers who might also be capable of swinging a bat. I don't know. You know, both of those guys that exist somewhere might have their value increase in this process, but that's about it. Doesn't it doesn't add up. 
without the bullpenning aspect of it, right? Like for all the momentum to have been previously toward universal DH, for them to now pull back further and try to lessen the impact of the DH feels in, no, it's, it's, it's impossible. It's, it's insane. And I just don't, I don't think, I, my gut tells me this one dies. That's my gut. My gut tells me the American League owners will step up and say, no effing chance. No chance. Our product needs hitters in the lineup. The thing that I was screaming about yesterday. That's the reason why we have this thing. Because the product is better when there's someone else who comes to the plate that knows how to hit. No. Will not. Now, it's just my gut. It might be that this ends up being a situation where at the top, baseball makes it very clear and they collude to make sure it happens and says, no matter what you think is best for the product, we're telling you what's best for baseball moving forward. We're telling you that as a sport, we are better off doing this. I mean, it would clearly have more of an impact than moving the mound back one foot. I mean, as much I, as we I can think, measure, right? Like, I, we can't say. I mean, it would have a, a bigger game to game. I mean, they would create. Strategically. Exactly right. Right. I don't know what the impact. I just, there's no way to measure it. And again, we're going to talk more about this, Stan Clyburn. I don't know what the strategy. It might very well be that this will be the type of thing that we think creates sort of dramatic decisions. Look, some, some teams absolutely still will never bunt in extra innings with a runner on second base. We'll just say we're not doing it. It's not, we're, we will never be that team that bunts. We thought we talked all in all about how much more strategy this would create in extra innings, and some teams have just said, nope, no strategy at all. We send three hitters to the plate. If one of them gets a base hit, great. If not, that's the way it goes. We have not seen a lot of – like a lot of people talked about the idea that maybe you intentionally walk the first batter to line up a double play – after that, we really haven't seen any of that no. since this rule was implemented. I mean, I don't, I don't think we've seen one example of of a team. I mean, I'm sure it, maybe I there's one. I have not I seen, personally, no. and I'm, I'm not trying to pretend like I watch every game every night. I watch like 94. Yeah, that's good. That's right. a that's a good percentage for you. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But there might be managers who just say, no, the hell with it. I'm not changing my strategy at all. If we get to the point that we lose our DH, we'll go from there. But I'm not going to leave my pitcher in any longer than I would have otherwise over this thing. We'll find out. We'll talk more about that with Stan Clyburn. Today's show is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Celebrating their 25th anniversary this year, Glory Days Grill has great food and good sports. Sports-themed family restaurant with restaurants across Virginia, Maryland, North Carolina, West Virginia, Florida, and Georgia. Watch your favorite games or entertainment on a ton of TVs, including cartoons for the kids. And each table has its own wireless speakers, so you can tune in to whatever TV you're watching at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. And don't forget to try some of the wonderful menu options like the New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, the Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl with Ancient Grains, their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake, and the Silver Anniversary IPA, all available right now. Find out more at glorydaysgrill.com. I've come to the, got to the bottom of the uh, Vladimir Guerrero thing. I, it's not worth this, but well, we sure, did. why not? The Portland Sea Dogs were in the Eastern League with the Harrisburg Senators, so we were in Harrisburg to see the game. 
So there you go. There you go. There you go. Um, from Dan. Dan says, Glenn, is it weird that mock drafts don't seem to be acquiescing in any way? Acquiescing. I like it. It don't seem to be acquiescing. looking at it? I think I can. A-C-Q-U-I-E-S-C-I-N-G. Think so? I think so. I think so. Two anyway. season there. Anyway, um, is it weird that mock drafts don't seem to be acquiescing in any way when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens? Does it feel at this point like Terrace Marshall is the favorite? I feel like last year we were all leaning towards it being one of the inside linebackers, and we were not surprised going into the draft. Um, okay, so two things there. One, I do, I do agree with the thought about last year. We, I mean, we had other names that we were throwing out there as being possibilities, but for the most part, it felt as though Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen were the two names we kept coming back to as being logical the and most the, type of the most yeah. likely scenarios for the Baltimore Ravens. I I don't disagree with that. Um, we were still talking about a couple of the wide receivers. We we're still, but for the most part, it did feel as though. Those were the two names that we kept coming back to over and over and over again with the belief that Murray was more likely to be gone and so Queen was more likely to be the guy. We, of course, had no idea that Jordan Brooks would also go before Patrick Queen. So, so yeah, I'll kind of agree about that in terms of last year. This year, I'll also agree that it's a little bit trickier. What I don't think is trickier is what Ravens fans most desire I, I think Ravens fans have most desired Rashad Bateman for some time in this process. I think that's the the, the quicker thing that we saw kind of line up is Ravens fans dreaming about Rashad Bateman and to a lesser extent Aziz Ojolari, but there was plenty of that. Mm-hmm. The problem being that started looking unlikely a little bit quicker than perhaps we would have realized. And I think that's what's causing there to be I don't know if confusion is the right word because that's what happens when you have the 27th pick in the NFL draft. There's 26 teams drafting before you. It's so difficult for anyone to know what might be available there there that even if you know what a player's or what a team's um, needs needs are, that it's difficult to have a real feel as to what might be there at that point. I also saw... Oh, man. Hang on a second. I I saw a, a comment from um, a piece that Lock and Four wrote. Uh, This was pulled out. Jonah Schaefer from the Baltimore Sun pulled this out of a a Lock and Four piece. The quote was, it's quitty pay and a whole lot of hoping and praying, unquote, one GM said of the pass rush class. Now, that doesn't mean to me that every GM thinks that quitty pay is definitely the best edge rusher of the group. It doesn't mean that even if they do, that they would be right or that that sure. one particular GM is even right or that he's right about him being, even if let's just say Quiddy Pay is the best edge rusher of the group. It's not Matty, the only it, one. It doesn't mean that he's right about any of the other guys that are in the group. Like It's one dude's opinion about the edge rush class. Remember there were a lot of opinions about Lamar Jackson a couple years ago. I can tell you as a fact that a current, I don't know if I've, how much I've talked about this, a current head coach All right I'll at least give you I'm not I don't want to give away too much here I talked to a head coach of another team the week after the NFL draft that year and it was about a different subject and that head coach when I finished the conversation that I was having said dude what are they doing in Baltimore I was like what what do you mean 
said, that guy can't play. We we brought him in. He can't play. I mean, like, we all laughed when we saw them do that. So keep in mind that the opinion of one person is by no means fact nor Bible about a situation. But with the Ravens having a drastic need at edge rush, it, there is sort of a consensus that there is not a dominant group of edge rushers available, that there is not a surefire four or five guys that are definite rock stars at the edge rush department, nor is 27 a good place to be picking for such an important position on the field Mm-mm. to find a surefire guy. 27 is a great place to pick when you need a... Best player available is a great place. 27, you can just let the board fall and... Well, but, or or if your need is running back, 27 is a great place to well, be every year. tackle seems like there's a lot of depth. There's depth, but th- even that's not... No one's... Co- and I think, I think that guy used acquiesce when he meant coalesce, now that I'm, I'm thinking through it. There is not a coalescing around the idea that you're definitely getting that tackle at the end of the first round. There's good ones that people like, but there's not... Again, that goes back to a when you're talking about such a prime position, the guys that are surefire mm-hmm. go at the top of the draft. The less prime positions are the ones where you're more likely to find a rock star lingering towards the end of the first round. An inside linebacker, a safety, an interior offensive lineman, a running back. Those guys are more likely to linger that are rock stars at their position to later on in the first round. Unfortunately, the Ravens' biggest needs appear to be at more prime positions, right? Wide receiver, edge rusher. You can throw interior offensive line in there. That would be maybe one that they could find. So I think that's part of the problem as to why we're kind of seeing mock drafts all over the place. We're seeing guys mock the Ravens at 27 in one mock draft that other people don't think are avail are going until late in the second round. I mean, we're really seeing guys that are all over the board, and I think that's what uh, Dan was referring to in his email. I, that doesn't concern me at this point. I think that's the nature of having the twenty seventh pick. I started our conversation when the season ended by I said this to Ken Zales a couple times. I just think I really hate having the twenty seventh pick in the draft. Even last time, I think when they had twenty seven, I, I we had keyed in on Jimmy Smith. I thought it was a guy that like seemed like somebody that they would need. They needed a corner at the time, right? He was big. He was physical. The character concerns were attached, and it was the reason why he was going to maybe be available. And you were like, well, the Ravens are known for letting those guys come in and thrive, right? And they're great at keeping players like that and you know, we're getting a locker room with Ray Lewis yeah. and no, Ed I mean, Reed. Sure, but there that's that's not the way we're talking. I don't even know who fits that bill at this point. Right. I don't even know who that guy would be that would be a comparison to that. I don't I don't know that we had coalesced around Jimmy Smith, but I definitely, you know, we we had talked about him. There's no doubt about it. Um I I I'm not ended up being the 28th pick of course the snafu with the what? was the draft clock. Well, he was 27th pick. Was he? Yeah. They had the 28th pick, and he was the 27th pick because Minnesota was right before them, and the clock expired. And so the Ravens picked before. I'm pretty positive that happened. I mean, that happened with Byron Leftwich and Terrell Suggs many, many years ago. I'm pretty positive that the Jimmy Smith pick had something similar. I don't remember that. Or it was the Bears was the one who picked him. That that was a trade situation. Are you positive? Yes. They were trying to pull off a trade with the Bears, and the Bears 
didn't end up making it, and so they held on to their pick. But I don't even know that that was the Jimmy Smith year either. I think that might have been, I don't even remember what year that was that that scenario played out. But the Vikings thing is 1,000% literally Terrell Suggs' year. It was nowhere close to that year with Jimmy Smith. That I mean, it happened exactly the way that you're describing it when we thought the Ravens were going to try to take Byron, trade up to get Byron Leftwich. And they didn't, and the Jaguars snuck in and got him. And so that's the 2011, they're into the 26th pick in the draft. They didn't make a pick when their 10 minutes ran that out. That was when they were trying to make a yeah. trade with the Bears. Yeah. So that's why they ended up taking 27. Um, all right, so so that's that's my gut about why this is all playing out. I don't. I, I don't know what it means. I don't think it means a lot. I had somebody, I guess somebody wrote about the possibility, and I apologize for not knowing who this this was, that something was written about the possibility that they package Orlando Brown to try to move up in the first round and and get a rock star type of player instead of just what's left sitting at 27. There's been a lot of talk about acquiring another pick with Orlando Brown, but somebody threw out the idea of what if the idea with Orlando Brown is instead that you use him and your 27th pick to move up significantly in the first round and go get like maybe one of the top wide receivers. If, say, a Jalen Waddle is lingering to around 10, could you end up moving there? It's a hell of a price to pay to give up both Orlando Brown and your first-round pick, but it's intriguing. If you if you can get special, I'm not unwilling to listen. I don't know. Like I've, I haven't spent any right? time working on those guys because there's no I mean, world in which Pitts, they're. Then I'm okay with it, right? Like, but we're talking about Kyle Pitts is maybe going at number four. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you can you know, get Pitts or Chaser. The three guys would be like, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you can get up to one I'd of those be spots. Like, I get Devontae Smith is very good, but like. Yes, he does, scares he, me. does he fit right the, <laughs> the, the bill of what you're looking for in a Baltimore Ravens wide receiver? I don't know. It's an intriguing thought, the idea of using Orlando Brown to go up and get that guy. I just don't know who that guy is. And the guys that we definitely think are the guys, I don't know that you can get up that. I don't know that there's a team that wants Orlando Brown on a 27th pick to move out of a top 10 type of pick. I don't know. Maybe there is. It's hard to imagine. It's really difficult to imagine. I think there is a limit to how far that can even get you up. And is the difference in 12 spots really worth trading away Orlando Brown? Somebody says, well, a year from now, it's a third-round pick, right? If it's a compensatory pick, wouldn't you trade a first and a third to move up that much? Maybe. Maybe. I I don't know. It's an interesting thought. When we come back in, we're going to talk more Ravens. Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, will join us. That's next. We're in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of Pressbox. Chesapeake Employers Insurance is your workers' compensation insurance specialist. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. 
The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. The weather is warming up. The days are longer. Do your windows open to let the fresh spring air in? Are they old, cracked, and outdated? The spring rush is on for home improvement projects. One great way to improve the look, feel, and value of your home is with new windows. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over, so we need to continue to be vigilant, do the right things, including wearing our masks, and if we're going to wear them, why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players? Home team masks available right now. PressBoxOnline.com slash masks. We got a purple and orange state flag neck gaiter for you, as well as the Celebrate 8 MVP neck gaiter, and an over-the-ear faded to Stress state flag and traditional colors mask. They're available. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. Let's get this over with. Wear our masks. Home team masks. You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio at Radio.com. Our number one of the program also brought to you today by C3 American Exteriors. Call C3 right now to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3-410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. All right, let's talk a little more Ravens this morning on GCR. Joining us, he is Pressbox Ravens beat writer. He's our friend, Mr. Bo Smolka, and he's with us here on GCR. Bo, good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. Uh, the Ravens seem to be in the market for a veteran edge rusher and having guys visit and taking a look at them i i have hypothesized that at this point i it just doesn't seem like there's anything that's out there that's of such quality that it's really worth potentially giving up a fourth round compensatory pick for in order to sign them before may 3rd what's your gut tell you about whether or not the ravens do something before we reach that day where it no longer impacts them in terms of compensatory picks yeah, my gut tells my my gut is with you on that one. Um, I think they're doing their due diligence on these on players. 
Um, but they have for a long time, and I know people think that some, some people think they overrate the whole compensatory game, but it's clearly a foundation of how they operate. And we've seen it several times over the years where uh, they wait until after that deadline date to make a signing of a, of a free agent that otherwise would factor in the compensatory equation because, as you said, um, it would cost them a draft pick, and they covet draft picks more than any team in the league. So at this point, and you're already you're, you're three weeks away, the draft is looming. Um, at this point, my gut tells me that they're doing their due diligence, but any signings would wait. Now, they could lose a player that way, and they have in the past. Yep. Um, but I, I think that they're comfortable with where they're at in this process, and that's, I think, how they're operating. Yep, to your point, there, there is risk involved in that, obviously. If, if there's another team who doesn't, you know, is not trying to collect picks, they already know they're not getting any. They look down and say, oh, hell, we can just get a number in front of Justin Houston right now, and we'll sign him, and that's the guy the Ravens like, then they run the risk of losing Justin Houston in the process. But I, I think part of this is saying – I. If one of these guys really stood out to me in some way, I think the Ravens probably would have signed him by now, right? Like, if there was just one guy of this group they felt really strongly about, I think they would have signed him. I think the fact that we're sitting here at this point says they don't really think the world of any of these players that are left on the market. Well, and not only have they not signed them, neither are any of the other teams. Right. So that tells you something as well. It's not like there's a ferocious market here that they've got to act quickly because every team has had the opportunity to act and hasn't. So that tells you uh, as much as well. Um, are you, you know, I know the, the, the Liars luncheon is coming up early next week. What, what do we need to learn from the, I think I was, we were talking about this at the beginning of the show today, Bo. There's a lot of years, obviously, the reason why we do it, you want to get some, some sound bites, some quotes um, for stories to preview the NFL draft. But it seems like a lot of years, there really are important questions that need to be answered when we get there. What are those questions, if any, at this point for the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, the que- <laughs> but you won't get answers. We already know that. I mean, it's interesting, right? For those of you listening, they call it the Liars' Lunch. It's been, we've called it that forever. It's, there used to be a media luncheon after this, after this event, and Ozzy and Eric DaCosta and Joe Hortiz from the scouting department and John Harborough would sit up there and take questions about the draft. And a couple of years ago, Eric DaCosta, with this kind of wry smile, even said, yeah, we know you call it the liar's lunch. I mean, there's they're, they're smoke screens, there's gamesmanship, and all of that. Every now and then, you do get a little piece of uh, information. I think a couple of years ago, um, Ozzy Newsom kind of hinted, I forget now who it was, but there was going to be a position change. Someone, I forget, I might have been... Um, I forget now, but anyway, once in a while there'll there'll be something relevant. I say, oh, that it had nothing yeah, to do with the draft, sure, but right. a bit of information that was right. worthwhile. You know, I suspect the, the, it's funny because sometimes at this lunch, at this uh, press conference, rather, there's questions about like Trevor Lawrence in this year, for example, or the top two or three guys, which always strikes me as odd because the Ravens are completely out of the picture for those players. Um, and it's interesting that, that they would want the reaction of what those players might be. They're not going to tip their hand about who they want at all. I think they're just as likely to get questions about Lamar Jackson and what kind of players you need to get to fit the offense with Lamar Jackson, and will they answer anything about Lamar Jackson's development or Lamar Jackson's work this offseason or what they're hoping to see from him in the future. Obviously, he is still the central focus of everything they do, and his accuracy, his performance as a passer, all of that is 
still going to be a defining narrative of this operation going forward. So they won't have any answers about it. They might have ideas about how, that, how they want that to be made more efficient. It's questions that they've, they've already been asked this offseason. Um, but I think the questions might relate to how they figure the draft specifically might fit into that equation, finding players that best fit, whether that's a receiving tight end, whether those are the receivers that are out there. And they'll probably be asked about a couple of the receivers, and I guarantee you they will be vague, and Eric Cost yep. and Joe Hortiz will be um, explicit to mention five or six names sure. and not focus on any one particular one that they want to – or if they do focus on one, you can almost guarantee it's not the one they want um, because that's how they play the game. So it's kind of a tap dance every year about how this flyer's luncheon, but it, it's – it's, it has some value in it, and like I said, there are sound bites that come out of it. Um, but I think, every, I think a lot of questions have to focus about Lamar Jackson and the offense because that's going to be the story of this team going forward. Pressbox Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka is with us here on GCR. Uh, Bo, I, have, have we heard anything at all? We've heard about some other teams. Have we heard anything at all about the Ravens players and offseason workouts and, 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 and a thought about participation at this point? I have not, and again, that's probably something that will come up. And so, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the league just mandated on their off-season schedule, and two of the Players Association has been strongly pushing for a full virtual off-season. They, want the, they don't want players in the buildings. They want players to be able to be completely virtual. Um, the teams are obviously – I know John Harbaugh has a long – push to have his rookies in even more than they are. He thinks rookies especially benefit from it. Um, the Seahawks and the Broncos have both come out with statements through the Players Association saying they are going to not participate in uh, on-field activities until the mandatory minicamp. I know some people have referred to that as a boycott of OTAs, but I want to stress in my mind that I don't think you should consider a boycott because it, by rule they yes. are allowed to not attend their voluntary sessions. Yep. Um, and the players are choosing not to. I don't know what that's going to do for their teams in terms of chemistry or all of that, but the, that is the way the union would like it to be. Those two teams have announced that they're not going to go to the voluntary uh, OTA sessions. The Ravens have not said anything. I haven't heard anything. It probably will come up at the, on Monday. Um, but to be honest with you, I was away last week, and I'm catching up on stuff, but I had not heard one way or the other about um, – how they're going to do it. But I think it bears watching in Baltimore and everywhere, really, because I know the union is pushing hard um, to have this done virtually. Um, and as I said, to kind of stress that in the CBA, the OTAs are actually voluntary. And most years, you might have a guy like Marshall Yonda, Terrell Suggs, the veterans, they might sit out. They know what they have to do to train to get better. If you're a second or third year player, you're probably going to be in the building because you know what? If you're Jalen Ferguson, you're trying to make a statement that you want to be better and you want to make a statement that you're here. Yep. You have a chance to elevate your spot in the rotation now. It would be to your benefit to be on the field in front of your coaches working hard and seeing all that. So I think for younger players, skipping out on it in a group setting like this or a group demonstration, if you will, um, bears some risk to their kind of status not to be cut or whatever, but it's an interesting spot for the players to be in, and I think veterans are strongly, and the union is strongly opposed to on-field workouts. But if I were a second- or third-year player, and I'm thinking I've got my chance to make a statement now, 
seems to me the best place for me to do that would be on the field. So it's going to be interesting to bear watching over the next few weeks with all these teams. Bo, another conversation we were just having was about, you know, the, the difficulty for anyone in, in the mock draft world to kind of coalesce around anyone for the Baltimore Ravens just because they're picking at 27. It's so bloody difficult to know who will even be available at that point. I, I think there's a general consensus the Ravens' top needs are, are wide receiver, edge rush, and offensive line. I'll pose this to you. Are, are If I put it at a percentage, what percentage would you give that the Ravens' first pick in the NFL draft, wherever it is, is a, one of those three things, wide receiver, edge rush, or offensive line? I would put the percentage at probably about 90 Um I, you know, they will say we're going to take the best available player regardless, you know, regardless of need. And to an extent, that's true. But I think to an extent, the need does bleed into that equation somewhat. It almost has to. Um, now, if, if, the net, if they found a guy at 27, let's say a cornerback, who is suddenly they look at him, they say, you know what, we added him rated number eight on our board, and he's sitting there at 27. Yeah, they might they might do that, and you know, effectively they did that with J.K. Dobbins last year in the second round because running back was not a position of need, but they saw J.K. Dobbins as a first round talent, and he's sitting there available at fifty five. You've got Mark Ingram who's thirty years old. They said, you know what, we're, we're, he's the best available player. It's not a position of need. He's the best available player. But in the first round of twenty seven, to me, I think there are going to be enough of those players at those positions of need coalescing in that area that they're going to see that. In fact, that's why it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them trade back, um, which is what they've done five times now in the last 10 years. If there are four or five players that they know, they like any one of those guys, and they go back from 27 to 30, let's say, or 29, whatever, and pick up an extra pick along the way, they would do it knowing they can still get one of those players. It's how they operate all the time. So if it were me, I think there's a high probability it comes out of the one of those three position groups um, because I think there's going to be enough talent in those three. It would be a surprise to me if it's someone else. Maybe safety, but I'm going to stick with those three positions. I mean, I, and that's where I am. You know, you bring up the safety. And, and I think that's the point. The point is if there's some sort of special – that just happens to be lingering on 27, they looked up and they were like, dude, we think that's the 12th best guy in the draft class, then I'm with you. I think they'll just go ahead and take him and say, we, we think we found a special player. But otherwise, I'm inclined to agree with everything you said, that those are the biggest areas of need. And that's such a broad thing to be talking about, that the likelihood is that they're going to have someone on their board that kind of matches up with one of those areas of need. Um, I, I assume at this point, do, do we... I brought up the May 3rd thing. Do we think that they're definitely going to be signing multiple players after May 3rd to fill whatever needs are left? Or is there a possibility that given how little money they have and how little is left in the free agent market, that, that that's not a sure thing even come May 3rd that they're doing something? I suppose it's not a sure thing, but they're not going to go from May 3rd till August 31st without signing players. I mean, there's going to be guys that come in. Um, in that first week after May 3rd, I don't know, but there's, you know, there's going to be some, you know, veteran inside linebacker that's going to be available in June and they'll bring him in if they, you know, it always happens. Um, but again, those are guys that are on the market because they're still on the market and there's a reason that 30 other teams have not wanted to sign them yet. So 
I, I expect there'll be a signing. I don't know that they're going to pounce on May 4th and sign someone and say, yes, we right. got him. Right, we got to that day, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the roster's always fluid. And so, uh, sure, there'll be players signed. All right, Bo Smolka in the new print issue of Pressbox does a piece looking back on last year's draft class and and sort of imagining what progress would mean for each player in year two for the Baltimore Ravens. So from Patrick Queen down to Geno Stone, what would legitimate progress look like for each Raven that was selected in last year's NFL draft? You can find that right now in the new print issue of Press Box, which John means on the cover. It's available at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box, read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. And you've got something up today at PressBoxOnline.com as well, correct? I do. It was basically... Kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. Not really tongue-in-cheek, but it was looking at, all right, here's five questions that Eric DaCosta is probably going to be asked at the Liars' Luncheon. And with the caveat that it is known by DaCosta and others as the Liars' Luncheon, Correct. kind of how he's going to answer. I've been to these nine or ten times now. The answers are what they are. They're, they're generally the same. So I kind of looked at a one-sentence answer from what we're going to get from DaCosta and then kind of what the real story is behind it. And one of them is, frankly, do you have an idea who they're going to take? And I'll share this story with you. A few years back, Eric Acosta said to us, after the, after the Liars' Luncheon, we're talking, and he said, I could, give you an, I could give you an envelope right now with three names, and I bet we're going to get one of those three guys. So, of course, we joked and said, all right, will you do that? I was, no, I'm not going to do it. Right. But right. his point was, he's got a pretty good idea right now who they're going to get. We talk about, um, we talk about that a lot. Could, but he knows he's done this long enough to have a pretty good idea who's going to be there when they're picking and who they've identified as the good value at that spot. And I think he definitely, now he's not going to say that that day. He's going to say, we, we, we'll, we never know how the board's going to fall, but we'll be ready when we're on the clock. That's what he's going to say. But he knows who they're going to take, or he has a good idea. He could probably right now put three names in the envelope, and they're going to have one of those three guys. At B. Smolka is how you follow him on Twitter. Pressbox Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka. Bo, always appreciate it, sir. Two weeks out. We'll talk to you the week of the draft, all right? All right, you bet. Thanks. Bo Smolka checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Um, of course, I can see them moving back from 27. I guess the part that I would struggle with is is seeing what's the appetite for moving up. Like, I, I just don't know, like, who the other team is. That says there's a guy at quarterbacks, right? There's always but, quarterbacks but in theory, like, right? Like Trask, the guy from Stanford, right? It seems Mills, tr- whatever. I know there's been talk about it. Just it seems so unlikely. All it takes is one team. Who I know. Needs a quarterback. I know. Identifying that guy and saying, saying we desperately we want, want a fifth. Year. We want a fifth year, and so we got to get back up into the first round in order to do it. It's not saying it's impossible. It just feels. And I think with all the tackles in this class, it couldn't. You know, it's not something I would discount. Yeah. I, look, I'm not saying they can't. I'm saying I don't think that there is going to be an overwhelming appeal for teams to try to trade back into the first round this year. I I, I just don't see – we're talking about the area between, like, the first 11 players and, and maybe into the 50s as there just being such a broad sweeping – not much difference. I mean, it's got to be – it would have to be a team like – Denver or like Carolina or somebody like that, New England. Right, Carolina takes Kyle Pitts in the first round and, and still desperately wants to get a quarterback. I just, 
boy, it, you're, I, I know that people are trying to sell the idea that people think that Kyle Trask might be a real quarterback, but that's a tough thing to, to go that route and say we want to give up assets in order to move back into the first round in the, to I get mean, Kyle that's Trask. That's why I'm saying it would have to be somebody who's only moving up six to ten spots. Yeah, I mean, sure, sure. I Look, can you do it? Maybe, maybe, and I have no doubt the Ravens will be attempting to, in again, unless something in particular happens to fall to them. But this is how crazy this year's draft class is. To, to go back to what we were talking about earlier with the edge rush thing, um, uh, Charlie Casterly is coming on with us tomorrow, correct? believe so. Okay. I, that's what we have scheduled, and he has yet to tell me that it is not going to work. He's a... I, I mean, that's... Okay, whatever. We're scheduled to chat with Charlie Casterly tomorrow. His most recent mock draft, he does not have Aziz Ojolari in the first round. Not in the first round. We're talking about a guy that some people are saying, well, there's no way that he gets to 27. Charlie Casserly doesn't have him in the first round of this NFL draft. That's how kind of... No, it it means nothing. It doesn't... But it means opinions vary greatly. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's all over the place as far as outside of the first handful of players exactly how good everyone else is. All over the place. All right, um, we got. We can take a break here, right? Yeah. All right, very good. We'll grab a break. Hour number one is in the books. It was also brought to you today by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. We come back in. Bradley and Nikki Bozeman join us. We'll talk to them next. They're doing something. Uh, they already do enough good. They're somehow doing more good, which just seems impossible. We'll talk to them about it next. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over so we need to continue to be vigilant do the right things including wearing our masks and if we're gonna wear them why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players home team masks available right now pressboxonline.com slash masks we got a purple and orange state flag neck gaiter for you as well as the celebrate 8 mvp neck gaiter and an over the ear faded distress state flag and traditional colors mask they're available pressboxonline.com slash masks let's get this over with wear our masks home team masks 
Baseball is back in full in 2021, and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host Zach Goodman every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at Press Box Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between, plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressBoxOnline.com slash the bat around or at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. That's the bat around every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at Press Box Sports. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. This is Nothing but net. Into hour number two of the program. It's also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. These two are always doing incredible things. Um, I was just out there last Tuesday hanging out at Mount Pleasant with everybody, just marveling at at what what a functioning system this is they have for trying to take care of those with food insecurity in our community. And then apparently they're just like, yeah, well, you know, all the good we're doing, we're bored with that. we got to find something else good we can do. And so now they're trying to help out an area elementary school. They, of course, are friends, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman from the Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, and they join us now here on GCR. You guys, like, how do you have time for all of this? How do you keep finding more time in order to do this type of stuff? I mean, I don't know. They're making more hours in a day, apparently, I guess. It's unbelievable to me. This is incredible. So tell me about this. This seems like a really cool story. You guys uh, living out in Carroll County, how did you get hooked up with the school, and what was the thought process between doing this so people can come out and meet you this week? Yeah, so um, Freedom Elementary, their school playground actually has been condemned. I don't know how long. I think it's like a couple years. And I actually saw it on Facebook. Um, we had friends that, like, tagged us in it. And obviously we were like, all right, got to figure out some way to help. Um, and so – we were talking to um, Todd Souter, I think is how you say his last name, and he was in charge of doing all that. And we actually had met him before, so I was like, all right, Todd, what can we, like, do? How can we help? And he's like, Stratosphere Social has um, uh, has been willingly uh, enough to let us use their place to raise money for the, um, for the uh, playground. And so we're like, all right, so we'll come. We'll, like, meet people. We can advertise it. Um, and it'd be a great way to help raise money for them. So that was what we did. That's awesome. So this is tomorrow, correct? Yes. Tomorrow, um, I believe it's like 4 until close. I think it's like 4 to 10 is when they close. Okay. Or 9. 
and you guys are just going to be hanging out, and, and there's going to be like an, a, a, an auction of some sort, correct? Yeah, I think they're going to have a silent auction um, there, which will also bring stuff for that. Um, and then, you know, taking pictures and stuff, and if kids bring things out to sign. Um, and, yeah, we'll just be hanging out. I think we're going to be there for, like, two hours. Um, I believe it's, like, from, like, six to eight. Okay. Um, but we'll probably be staying the whole time. But, um, but yeah, so we're we're excited. We love Stratosphere Social. They've always been, like, such – they're owned by such amazing people, and they're just – or a man, I guess. And they um, they always so giving to the community. We love doing stuff over there. No, that's awesome. Uh, Bradley, I'm, I'm assuming there's a part of you that's like hearing us talk about this as being like a charity thing, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out at Stratosphere Social. That seems like something I would just kind of be willing to do anyway. <laughs> it's like pull up. I think we're losing you guys. Let's see if we can't. Can you guys hear us okay? Hmm. Yeah, can you hear us? All right. I, no, I, I, yeah, we lost you there for a second, but we just got you back. That's all right. That's all right. But again, oh, oh. It, so the details are important. Tomorrow, 6 o'clock for you guys, but it all starts at 4. It's Stratosphere Social. Money goes to benefit Freedom Elementary School and getting them a new playground. But, that, those are the details, right? It's... Yes. Yep. Those are the details. Awesome. And uh, Stratosphere Social is right behind the Home Depot in uh, Eldersburg for people that haven't heard of it yet. It used to be a trampoline park, and then they kind of switched it over. Now, why couldn't it be both? Why? Now, wait a second. Yeah, yeah, right? Why can't we bring the trampolines back and somehow combine these two things? Best of both well, worlds they actually, scenario. They, they did. They have um, the top left corner is like a trampoline, like dodgeball court, well, basketball court. So they did. All right. I'm bringing the kids. That's the way that Friday is going to go. It's so fun. That's the way it's going to go. Bradley and Nikki Bozeman with us here on GCR. Um, so, what have you guys been up to? What What are the last couple of weeks when you're when you're not busy, literally saving the world? What have you guys been doing? Um. So our friend. So my sister actually got engaged two weeks ago. So we went to Georgia. Um. And so she got engaged to her boyfriend. They'd been dating since high school. So we were like, it's about time. And um. And then my our best friend, so Zach Sealer. I saw uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, backstory for people that don't know: um, when you come in as a rookie pre-COVID, um, they put you in a hotel room with a guy that you don't know, and it's like just two queen beds and a bathroom. Like <laughs> it's nothing special. Um, and they put you in a hotel room for three months almost together. So it's kind of like sink or uh, swim. And they <laughs> ended up being like best friends, him and Zach. And so Hannah is my best friend from college. She was a shooting guard on the team when I was there. And she, so we were like, they would be a good match. So we set them up and then they just got engaged the week after my sister. So we've been like all out and about with people and getting engaged. And now it's wedding season for everyone else. And it's fun. Why not add matchmaker? Hang on a second. I want to, I want to dive more into that though. Like when you say we, <laughs> is it really we? I think Bradley was probably the first one to bring it up. That's what I want to know more about. <laughs> like, is it is that your interest, or is it really both of you that are doing that? Um, it's definitely both of us. Okay, um, all right. We were, so we were sitting on the back porch. It was me, my dad, uh, Zach's dad, Zach, uh, and he was trying to get someone get Zach to date one of Nikki's other friends. And I looked at him <laughs> like, 
ah, ah, we're not, we're not going that route. It was, look, you need a date, Hannah. And uh, so we, we got in. Nikki worked on Hannah, I worked on Zach, and they got together eventually. And uh, The funny thing was, it was harder to convince Hannah than it was to convince Zach. Oh, I mean, I, you know, in fairness. <laughs> in right. fairness. And, um, she was playing basketball professionally at the time, so she was in Iceland playing basketball. And she was in the, like, I don't need a boyfriend. I don't want to date anyone. I'm going to be across the country. And then old Zach called her every night for, like, however many days she was over there. She was over there for, like, months. He FaceTimed her every day. And then she got home, and then they started dating, and now they're engaged. Oh, what a, have you guys always been like this? Have you always been the matchmaker type, or was this just unique to like it being specific friends of yours? Oh no, we have. We what are we like three for three on friends that we put together that are now either married or engaged? That's impressive. We're just very good at like uh, <laughs> um, seeing personalities and yeah. then like matching with personalities. So I mean, then when does is this like the post football plan? You're gonna just have a service right. where you're like hitch essentially. No doubt. I don't know about that. But. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, uh, uh, Bradley, we had – I don't know if you're familiar with Quinn Miners. He's the offensive lineman from Wisconsin-Whitewater that showed up at the Senior Bowl with a belly shirt and dreads, and everyone fell in love with him. And we had him on the show yesterday, and he told us about – he's so crazy, he spent 10 days once by himself in the woods, just hanging out, like making friends with squirrels. He's, he's nuts. And I like to think that every offensive lineman is a little nuts, but this seems a little bit over the top for me. What's the longest you could go? by yourself in the woods just being a man? Um, am I forced to do it? Or am uh, I doing it by choice? Well, okay, just like give, give, me, like give me both answers. Like a, is it like how long can I survive? Or how long, like, what's the, you know, you got you to gotta paint the scenario. I, no, no I, like, I like that. Give me both. Give There's me, the two extremes. There's right. one where you're just, like, you know, leisurely um, doing as, it. As long as I want to, probably like a weekend. Okay. Um, but, you know, if I had to, I mean, you know, the right circumstances. And, I mean, I think I think I'd do okay for myself. You think it could be like a Tom Hanks situation? Like you could manage to like like keep yourself McCandless. alive for the better part of a year or something like that? I got a lot to burn through to, to start with. So I got to. But yeah, I think I could. I think I could maintain. Safe to say, the Ravens might not be on board. With well, no, idea. I mean nobody is. Nobody wants that to be a good idea, an idea that would play out. What, okay, what is what is your um, your best survival skill? Like, what do you bring to the table in a survival situation? Let's say we're all trapped on the island. What's the biggest survival skill that you bring to the table? Oh, definitely like scavenging and hunting for sure. Can but would you be able to we, hunt we if do, you didn't? By the way, have we do know we do know that he can clean out. Like and, and he does it on command. You can. I you, still want to know if he's got the uh, is it like bare grills where it's like, yeah, I'll fashion this piece of string into a fishing wire, and we'll be able to eat off of this. Or do you need to have your like bow staff with you at all times in order to really, really execute the way you want? I mean, obviously, you can execute better with with you know modern day equipment, <laughs> bows and the guns and knives and so on and so forth. But I think I could. I think I could manage with a. With a rope, like a little snare or something. So here's how it would go. He would be like, oh, I need a slingshot. And then I'd be like, okay, I can make that for you. And then I would make it, and then he would go out and use it. So the two right? the two of you together yeah. could survive forever, basically, is what you're saying. If you just have the two of you together, you're good eternally moving forward. 
Okay, so we play this game all the time with our friends. We do the stuck on an island, and what would you bring to the island? So, yep. obviously, hunting. What would y'all bring to the island? <sighs> oh, God. I'm There's... not qualified to answer this question. No. I still answer it. Uh, you need a tarp. I need, like, a big tarp. Something like that to just, like, you could fashion that into cover just for, 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 your, for shelter, for shelter, right? Yeah. Right? Like, and you have sticks and stuff like that. You can make a nice little house. And it also comes in handy I'm to carry like, stuff. Because we always, like, one is, like, the brainiac that figures out everything. One is the strategist. One is the hunter and gatherer. One is, like, the send help all the time person. And the other one's just, like, eating coconuts on the beach. Oh, okay. now, that's yeah. the, by the way, that's the most likely scenario for me. But I do feel as though this is where I become a good, I'm a leader, right? Like, I don't have any actual appreciable skills. Sure. But I can sort of see what everyone else's skills are. And kind of put it into motion and then go eat coconuts on the beach afterwards, right? Like, that's okay. sort of what I bring to the table in that department, I think. Like, PTA president is what exactly, we call it. That. That's exactly what I would be good at. I kind of I, enjoy playing the role of MacGyver and, like, fashioning things into other things that weren't originally intended yeah, for Yeah, I'm not purpose. good in that department. <laughs> that is a weakness for and me. And then I would be, like, the um, the motivator person. So, like, Glenn would come up with everything that we have to do. Unless you're hungry. <laughs> yeah, unless I'm hungry. Can I'm a little... <laughs> But what? you, okay, you. Switch gears to what's one thing you can bring? Just one single item. And you already, you already have shoes. You have clothes on. So I would feel like I know this because I don't think I could make fire. I don't think I would be capable of rubbing two sticks together furiously enough to create fire. So if I could bring one thing, it would be like a giant thing of lighter fluid so that I would be capable of making fire. <laughs> What, you got to have a lighter if you have a lighter. Yeah. Oh, damn like, it, damn it. I didn't think yeah, about no, right. that. Son of a bitch. I think I would have to go. There's like these like 10-in-1 axe survival tools that are like axes. That's that kind of cheap. Have... That's kind of cheating, isn't well, it? Isn't... No, no, no. You can, you can only bring one thing. You but that's bring... my point. Mine would be an axe. Mine would be like a machete. Right, like there's things these days. Like a multi-tool you're talking about. Right. That are axes that also have other doohickeys on them that allow you to use it for other purposes. So right. if I'm like, that, that's, not, that's not fair, though. You know, you okay. can't, you can't well, have, a, have a knife with a handle that's got... Yeah, I'm with Bradley. Well, for the purpose of the game, you have to choose one thing. I won't choose one of those, because apparently <laughs> I can't. But if I had to choose, I would probably have to go with some sort of, yeah, like a, a hatchet or a machete. Like, that I could really use to, like, multi-purpose create things and also, you know, provide food for myself. I'm convinced that not only, Bradley, are you confident that you could rub two sticks together to make a fire, I think it's a non-zero chance that you have yeah, rubbed sticks together do. to create fire at some point in your life. Oh, yeah. No, he's um, done the whole, like, magnifying glass with the sun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that. I think I have a better chance of doing that, though, than doing than rubbing the sticks. <laughs> you need to, like... You got to create some serious I've friction. Seen bear grills do it enough times and struggle. Yeah, you want to believe like, you can, <laughs> but it's just I don't know that I. Have you ever actually rubbed two sticks together to create fire? No, I've, ne I've never had to do that. So yeah, it it would definitely be a learning experience for sure. But I, but <laughs> you're, I, you seem like the type who's confident that you'd be able to. I, I would. I, I do have persistence. That's one thing I, I'm pretty good with. I watched Survivor since I was eight years old, so does that count? Yeah. I think that has It'll to have us. given you some latent experience. Yeah. In this scenario. By the way, this is a long way for us to saying we're pitching you a reality show yeah. idea. If I don't know what right. you think about First it. things first, Bradley has to prove he can make fire. Right. That's and the if first he can, video. then we're going. Yeah. That's the way That's that it works. Lifetime supply of bug spray, too, because I don't do good with bug bites. 
yeah. I don't I don't like it, but I think I could live. I think I could I would just I would get used to that at some point. At some point I would say yeah. this is just our way of living now. And I think we're allowed to be clothed here. This is not to be like yeah, a Bradley, said Bradley said that. Bradley said that we would have our clothes, <laughs> right? We'd have yeah, the whole deal. Be. I think we'll yeah, be all right. Just one step though. That's it. That's it. That's right. it. That's what you got. Right. You got to survive from there. Well, That's the way it's got. Bradley, do you know anything about off-season stuff yet? Like, is is it something that you, it's even on your radar right now, or are you still sort of waiting to hear I, something? Honestly, we're just kind of waiting to hear something. So, um, you know, the NFL put out their thing, but it's, it's going club by club. So, yep. Yeah, we'll 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 find out here pretty soon. So, um, you know, we'll. we'll We'll, we'll be working out regardless of whether we're in or out or whatever it may be. Um, so we're going to – I know we're going to be – we've been preparing already. So, um, you know, not really not really focused on that. Just going to continue to, to work and, uh, and just see what happens with the, what the team wants to do. So. No, no doubt about that. All right, Bradley Nicky Bozeman again tomorrow. Stratosphere Social where you can also – I mean, I'm assuming that you guys have d- done all the trampoline stuff, right? Like, I'm assuming that you guys have gone and gotten in the mix over the years. We actually haven't. So they have, for people that haven't been, I'll just tell you about it because we go about once a week. Um, so they have a trampoline, like, basketball thing. They have a trampoline, like, mosh pit you can jump in. And Why would you have things. not participated with that? <laughs> well, it's kind of hard when you're heavy and, like, big to, like, get out of those things. Uh, so Risk I'd be willing to take. So they have this big arcade. It's like a mini Dave and Buster's, which is super fun. And um, I, they're bringing something new that I don't know if they've told people yet, so I won't say anything about that. But um, they also have bowling, and they have virtual reality. So you like, it's like a four corners thing, and you put on this huge like headset, and like, um, and you have like a um, thing that drops down from the ceiling. It's like a gun, and you play zombies and stuff. So that's super fun. And then they have a 9D dome. So you go into the dome, and it's like a 12-seater, like, roller coaster thing. And they play this huge, like, 9D, like, simulation. And there's all these different things you can choose. It's, like, haunted house and all this other stuff. But the, like, seat moves, and you go up and down, and it's, it's so cool. So that's also something you can do, which is super fun. Wow. And then if you're an adult and you just want to, you know, watch your kids from afar, there's, like, a bar on the other side, too. So you can Man, get all the things. What a place. I know, right? This place seems amazing, Stratosphere Social. All right, important. What's the, what's the stupid game, like the dumb game that you could would never benefit you in any way, but you happen to be particularly skilled at? Like, I, I, will, I will tell oh, you right yeah. now. My game is Papa Shot Basketball. Um, we did an event with Brandon Williams a couple years ago, and he got his feelings hurt because he was running his mouth, and I wrecked him in Papa Shot Basketball. I am, I am, it's, it'll never help me in any way, but every are time you, I just set a new high score every machine I'm on. Are you coming on Friday? I, I have a game on Friday. I have a game on Friday. Yeah. I got to work. I have a game. But I'll owe you one. I'm gonna. We can make this okay. happen at some point. I'll owe you one. The only person that ever beat me randomly was Brandon Stokely. Just one – I don't know where it came from because he wasn't talking S at all, and it was very humbling for me. <laughs> like, I was you like – yeah, you don't even know. Oh, Nikki. Oh, this could be Nikki, fun. we can we can put <laughs> a little uh, I am very at aware. Basketball at basketball, I would that. never no, go no, up no, against no, you. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
I bow down to Glenn. I'm good. No, good. no. We have no, to make this sure, happen. Yeah. We 1,000% must do this. <laughs> this must occur. We will set details for this. I will. We will uh, arrange this somehow, some I can't tell she's doing a Brandon Stokely bit now, you know? Yeah, where she's trying to, oh, yeah, absolutely. She's like, I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm not that good. We're going to go have yeah, a bet. No, I'm terrible. I, I contract my statement. Uh <laughs> I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> Stop. Stop. We'll do this. This is happening. But, no, in no world would I ever try to attempt. I would never suggest a one-on-one -on -one matchup against Nikki on a basketball floor. Well, no, I, I think, would get I my feelings. I think it's only fair hurt. that we do each. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can make that happen. All right, what's the game? What's your game that it will never benefit you in any way but you happen to be really skilled at? Oh, uh, the call machine. Wait, what? Yes, the call machine. Oh, yeah. That is such a weird thing because, okay, also, we're coming out of Walmart, like, with hundreds of groceries, pushing the cart, and this man, every single time without fail, goes, I have a dollar. I'm going to play the claw machine. I'm like, you don't need to play the claw machine every time we leave Walmart. And he does. And he wins almost every time. That's the thing. The success rate for those, I feel like, is under 5%. Oh, for at, sure. I mean, I might be less than that. Bradley, we need you to, to educate us How? on the strategy. I'm like, I'm like one of three. Like, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty legit. I'm not gonna lie. That's so, so what's weird. The strategy? You go for a leg. It, all about the setup of the stuffed animals. You got to be able to look at it and to like, because you can tell the ones that are like packed in there that you're not gonna get. Yeah. But every time there'll be a little outlier sitting there. It's like, okay, I'm gonna play because I basically I know I'm gonna win. So okay. man. Man, I this I is kind of blowing my mind. Also, yeah. <laughs> this is really blowing my you mind. You have to start fire and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> successfully the claw get the claw machine. machine. <laughs> Nick, Nikki, what's yours? Um, They have this, like, game at Stratosphere Social, and you, like, press the button and it drops ping pong balls into a bucket. I know that one. I'm very familiar. The kids love that game. Yes, I thinking love that game, and I happen to be pretty good at it. So... Uh, it's all about like timing and how the balls drop in, and it's just like so. It's such a fun game, and yeah, so that would be mine. We have a uh, we, we we get a lot of airheads at the putt putt place that we go to because they have that machine, and it's a good one for getting tickets. It's a good one for trying to find some tickets. Kyle, what about you? What's the? There was this one game at ESPN Zone where you dropped a quarter down a ski slope and had to get it. In I, a yeah. rotating, I vaguely remember this. On a rotating yeah. wheel and through a little section. That was my favorite game at the entire ESPN. And you were good. And I you actually, I got a lot of tickets on that remarkable, guy. Remarkable. That used to be my favorite game. And didn't the guy on it go, yoo, yeah, every time 100%. he like, dropped the quarter in? <laughs> yeah, yep, 100%. Oh, man. It was great. All right. Uh, tomorrow, Stratosphere Social. You can play all these games, hang out with Bradley and Nikki Bozeman, help raise money for Freedom Elementary School to get them a new playground. It's an awesome thing. And still, every Tuesday – I, I can't do next week, but the following week I'm going back, and I want one of you to sign up to come join me to help out and volunteer um, in, what would it be, 12 days. In 12 days at Mount Pleasant in the afternoon to take care of those uh, who, who need, um, who are just dealing with food insecurity in our community. And so we need you to, to volunteer for that. You can hit me up at Glenn Clark Radio. Um, we still need donations, right? At, uh, uh, and, and, you know, I guess we got to run through the whole deal. Um, is it bozemancharity.com? It's been a couple of weeks, and so I'm, I'm blanking. Yeah. Bozemancharity.com, at Brad Nicky Bows, at BS Bows, at one Nicky and three. Did I get all of them? Mm -hmm. Yep, you Very did. Very good. Go take care of them. Bradley, Nicky, love you guys. We'll talk to you again real soon, all right? Sounds good.
Bradley and Nikki Bozeman joining us here on GCR. We were somewhere recently. I had some folks in town. We ended up at uh, Top Hat was where we ended up. And I was getting my... Top uh, Hat? Yeah, Top Hat. It's uh, the pool hall in, in Towson or whatever okay. it is. But Block Raven, I guess you call that. <laughs> Thank you. And we were shooting pool. We were playing a little ping pong. And I'm getting my ass kicked by uh, my friend's boyfriend. And that was and afterwards. That was just the fight, right? Right, correct. <laughs> and I said, well, there's one game. There's one game. We go over, and he just like looks at me dumbfounded, like, "What? what is this? I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know how to explain my propensity for Papa Shot. And I think I scored like 85, and I was really angry at myself. Do you use the glass? No. No, you don't use the glass. Take it easy. Some Come people on, do, man. probably. Um, well, they, they're you know not going to be that fun good. at a bar? What? Bear pong. I enjoy. A bear I enjoy pong. bear pong a yeah. great deal. The problem I, is the balls always are too light. Once had an incident related to bear pong at a popular bar in uh, where were we? Fells. Yeah, another one. Yeah, the only one that has. Once it. <laughs> once had an incident because we were playing. Uh, it was a great things got aggressive. They need all. higher ceilings there for that. I, I, that's my I, biggest I problem. Is you need agree. the guy, You need a 10, 12 foot clearance there. When we come back in, we're going to talk about the experimental rules that are coming to the Atlantic League. As Stan Clyburn, the manager of the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs is going to join us, tell us about moving the rubber back, tell us a little bit more about this double hook rule, and and is, it, is there any actual benefit to it? We'll talk to him about those things. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. It's Glenn Clark Radio. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot. And then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia based brewery Devil's Backbone and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. 
Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. The weather is warming up. The days are longer. Do your windows open to let the fresh spring air in? Are they old, cracked, and outdated? The spring rush is on for home improvement projects. One great way to improve the look, feel, and value of your home is with new windows. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio, 21st Century Talk Radio at glennclarkradio.com. All right, back in here on GCR. Thanks again to Bradley and Nikki for joining us as always. Today's show brought to you by KNS Automotive here in Hamden. For over 40 years, KNS Automotive has been restoring, repairing, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles. The focus on exceptional workmanship and quality customer service. That's everything from oil changes to major body work. They've got you covered. Give them a call right now, 410-235-6660. Go to knsimports.com. That's K&S Automotive, knsimports.com. So as we've been talking about for the last couple of days, some experimental rules coming to the Atlantic League this season. Obviously, we don't know anything yet because they haven't started playing games, but fascinated particularly on one as to how managers will handle it. Joining us, he is the manager of the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. It's a pleasure to welcome back into the pro Mr. Stan Clyburn, who's with us now here on GCR. Stan, it's Glenn and Kyle in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Hope you and everybody in your family is doing well. Thank you for taking the time for us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been a, you know, it's been a year and a half since uh, I've really participated in any kind of uh, baseball league. You know, we finished the Atlantic League in 2019, and of course, 2020 was canceled because of COVID. So we're all excited about getting back on the field here next month and uh, getting the season going. It's uh, been a long process, yeah. but I think everything's falling into place to where we can get started. Well, we're looking forward to that, and and we miss you know, throughout the region. We miss minor league baseball. It's such an important part of our community, um, and so we're going to be happy to have it back this year as well. Um, Stan, what, your reaction, right? Did did you know, you know, and we'll talk about the pitching rubber thing too. But obviously, the double hook one is going to that's going to have far more influence in you and your job moving forward. Um, did you know these things were coming, or did you learn about them sort of the way that we all learned about them yesterday? Well, I'd heard, you know, I'd heard rumors. You always hear change in Major League Baseball, change in Minor League Baseball. I know the Atlantic League's been instrumental in uh, all these rule changes and using these rules, and uh, you know, it's our relationship with Major League Baseball that's been so close through Rick White and Frank Bolton that uh, the relationship they've had with Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball that's a uh, it's a good working relationship, and uh, we're trying these new rules. But yeah, I'd heard rumors. Uh, 
you know, the, the double hook, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to, it's going to allow managers, I guess, to carry a couple more position players to maybe use as pinch hitters off the bench. Uh, that will let us probably oh, significant. use as, as long as we stay in within our salary cap, you know, use pitchers on the inactive list for a day and then inactivate them the next day. So, uh, different scenarios are coming to play. There'll be a lot of National League uh, type uh, uh, ideas of managing during a game for a manager. Uh, be a lot more, you know, double switches and uh, <clears throat> thing of that nature when the pitcher starting pitcher is replaced. You know, you lose a DH. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a challenge for all managers. So this is fascinating, Stan. So the, the, are the rosters actually are going to be larger, or the inactive list will just essentially allow you to manipulate who's on the roster, you know, on a, on a given day to have more position players than pitchers. Well, we're going to have twenty five man rosters. Okay. We were in the past, starting out with twenty seven. Usually, the first six weeks of the season, we'd start out with twenty seven. Uh, usually because uh, in the first six weeks, if, if anybody got off to a good start, especially pitchers, they were picked up by major league sure. organizations. So it's getting some leeway there. This year we're starting with 25 position players, uh, pitchers and position players. Uh, but we are allowed to use what they call the uh, the uh, uh, inactive list. So, so for instance – if a pitcher starts on opening night, right, uh, you can put him on the inactive list the next day, and he's on that inactive list until he starts again, uh, you know, five days later. I believe that's how that works, and that way you can carry an extra position player. Okay, you know, because of this new rule. Okay, uh, as long as you can stay again within your salary cap restraints, uh, you know, carrying extra players, those guys are paid on the inactive list. So that counts towards your salary cap. So you just got to be careful and, and stay within the guidelines of uh, of your budget and what your salary cap is for your particular team. And uh, and um, you know you just have to keep uh, keep tabs on that. So, uh, but it's going to be interesting. Again, it's going to allow. I think it's going to allow uh, uh, managers to maybe carry an extra position player because of the reason of the pinch hitting with yep. the pitcher being lost. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Do you think it will have any impact in general as to how you treat a starting pitcher? Like, do you feel as yeah? Would, would you leave a guy out there an inning longer than you you wanted to because you you don't want to lose the DH? Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jeopardize a pitcher's uh, you know his uh, outcome. I'm not gonna jeopardize his pitch count. If he's up in the pitch count, you're gonna get him out of there anyway. If he's struggling. You're going to get him out of there anyway. It's just you got to be prepared to have your bullpen ready, and when that bullpen guy comes up to hit, say if it's sixth or seventh inning and it's in a crucial situation, do you bunt him or do you pinch hit him and try to get a rally going to get your, you know, team to to, to a chance to uh, get a uh, a victory late 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 innings? So there's a lot. <coughs> excuse me. There's a lot of strategy. It's going to go in with this, but no, you you're going to use your pitcher. You're going to try to get him to where he needs to be. His pitch count. You're going to monitor him, you know, during those middle innings to try to push him. You know, maybe one more inning to keep the DH alive. Uh, depends on when that DH comes up in that particular inning. So uh, yeah, it'll be closely watched. Uh, you know, during the course of the starter pitcher's uh, 
you know, during his uh, 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 outing. But for starting pitchers, it should be a bonus to, you know, try to go as far as they can. It's Stan Clyburn. He's the manager of the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. He's with us here on GCR. Stan, it does it does sort of seem like you're saying, though, that for the most part, your decisions won't be manipulated necessarily. You're just going to have to turn to pinch hitters at whatever the point the pitcher is not going to be able to pitch anymore. Is is And I'm, I'm sure that I'm saying that too broadly and that you're going to make individual decisions, but it feels like big picture – you're you're not going to drastically change your decision making regarding a pitcher. Instead, you're just going to have to live with the fact that you're going to have to turn to pinch hitters later on in the game. And, and that's a, a it's a very valuable part of the game. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's good for position players. It's gonna, I believe, it's gonna let managers add one more guy to their roster, or maybe two more guys to their roster that normally, you know, will be replaced by pitchers. Uh, uh, I believe in a strong bench. I believe in, uh, you know, you got nine guys out there to start the game. Uh, I think if you got a strong bench, you always uh, seem to have teams that I've had in the past, you know, that were championship caliber teams that won league championships, always had a strong bench, always had guys that you could go to on the bench, you could fill in, and, and, and the team never missed a beat. So that's going to be an added advantage for players who were maybe in spring training on the bubble that wasn't going to make a team. Now they can have a chance to make a team because they know that manager's going to use them, you know, off the bench in a pinch hitting role or in a, on a uh, double switch uh, situation like they do in the National League a lot. So uh, I think it's good for baseball. It's an it's interesting. interesting rule and uh, it's a challenge to the starting pitchers and it's also a challenge to guys who are on the bench to hoping to get in that game and, and chance to, you know, have a big hit to win a game for their team. Stan, so Stan Clyburn with us here in GCR. Stan, I, I got to admit to you, it, it doesn't do a lot for me. And, and, and I'll tell you, and look, you know the game far better than I do. Let me start by saying that. But it it, it feels like, and, it, and again, we're projecting a little bit, um, that the average when we, you know, if this is something they were to consider for the major leagues, and that's why they do these types of things and experiment with them, the average designated hitter is typically a better hitter than the guy that's coming off the bench, right? Typically, and, and no doubt, and and that part of it. Why, why do we want to sign up for anything that 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 forces guys that aren't as good into the game as the guys that are already in the game? That's the part that I'm struggling with. Or you know, in the, in the drastic scenario where you also have somebody get hurt and maybe you run out of guys on your bench, where you have to send a relief pitcher, you know, up to swing a bat and he's not capable of doing it. Those things seem like they're bad for baseball for me as a whole. Well, I think it's more of a challenge to the starting pitchers. They want starting pitchers to go longer. You know, you look last. You look at last year's World Series. Ian Snell out of that game. You know, after dominating uh, the Dodgers. Right. Uh, you know, he's out of the game after four innings, four and a third innings. He's out of the game. It ended up costing the uh, the Rays the uh, World Series. Uh, this guy was dominating. No doubt. The next three hitters he was going to face were the guys he'd already faced and struck out twice. So I think the rule is a challenge to starting pitchers to make sure that they're uh, physically in condition, physically can go into the sixth inning, maybe the seventh inning. Uh, Again, pitch counts are very important these days in baseball. And, you know, you're not going to abuse arms, but. I think it's a challenge more, this rule, to the starting pitching 
to get them deeper into games, uh, which a lot of starting pitchers like. I know Matt Serger uh, likes the rule. Uh, I think he's commented on that. And, uh, you know, uh, other guys that are, are, are dominant starters in the major leagues like the rule because it's a challenge uh, to them. Now, whether this would be implemented in major leagues uh, uh, in the future, we don't know. That's why the Atlantic right. League is a partnership with Major League Baseball and all these rules. And I think change in baseball is happening. Uh, people want change. Fan fan base won't they won't change. And uh, and uh, all the major league uh, executives and and front office people uh, want to see that change. And and that's what the Atlantic League has brought to the table. Is we're willing to um, try these rules, implement these rules, sure. and see how they work out. And uh, I know in '19 there was a lot of rules that were brought up that people were kind of like, what, "What are we doing here?" But when when it comes down to what you're really looking at, it really doesn't come into play as much as people think. Uh, you know, uh, the larger bases, uh, you know, the step off rule to pick a guy off, uh, you know, stealing a first base when the ball gets by the catcher, uh, the the batter can go to first base at any time uh, to, you know, to get on base to start a rally. Uh, you know, all these rules were implemented, but you know, it was a big it was a big uh, uh, flare-up because, you know, it was change. It was change of the game. It was change of baseball. It was change of what we've done for so many years. And when you start talking about change, people, you know, they, they, they seem to say, hey, what are we doing here? But, you know, again, it's about change. Baseball is about change. The game's changing. The elevation of the game's changing. They want the fan base to have more action. They want to see the – uh, more base runners. They want to see less strikeouts. They want to see more doubles, triples. You know, gap uh, uh, balls. They don't want to well, see I'm, the home runs. I'm all in on that. So. That part I'm all yeah. in on, Stan. There's no yep. doubt. Stan, with the with the um, adjustment of the distance of the pitching rubber. I mean, we're talking about it in sort of a oh, it, it maybe shouldn't have that much of an impact. But it seems like in the way that pitchers prepare in the off season in these drive line facilities with you know pitch shaping and the like. Is this foot actually going to have somewhat of an impact on all the work that these pitchers have been doing at 60 feet and 6 inches? No doubt. Uh, that's a challenge to them. I know two years ago, well, 19, when it was mentioned that we were going to move that thing back to 62 foot 6 inches, uh, 2 foot, uh, you know, the pitchers were going crazy. I mean, all the pitchers who had signed to go into the Atlantic League were all like, you know, I'm not going to the Atlantic League if they're going to move the mound back two two feet. You know, that's the disadvantage to me to try to get back to the major leagues or to try to get back to the major league organization where I've been before. And it was a big challenge. It was a big uproar, and therefore the rule was not implemented. We did not do anything with the mound in 19. But this year it's going to happen. But it's not going to be two foot. It's going to be one foot. And there's been research done throughout major league baseball on injuries uh, for pitchers. Uh, how is it going to be an advantage for the hitter? There's been all kinds of uh, scenarios, all kinds of tests done about what this one foot's going to do. Uh, I see it as a challenge to the pitchers. Uh, maybe get more movement on their fastball, on their sinker. Maybe make their breaking ball better. Uh, one foot I don't think is going to uh, be a big detriment uh, to a pitcher. I don't think it's going to be much more of an advantage to a hitter. 
it's again, it's a change. It's something that Major League Baseball wants to look at. And we're willing as the Atlantic League to be the partnership league of Major League Baseball to to, to offer that challenge and to, to offer that rule change. And I'm excited to see how it's going to See how it's going to happen. Uh, one foot, uh, I don't think it's going to be a big difference. Now, the two foot might have been. That might have been a drastic uh, adjustment. But one foot is not going to be that much of a difference uh, from my standpoint as far as um, uh, seeing a, a player whether it's going to you know, make, take his fastball from 94 miles an hour to 92. Uh, but, again, when you're throwing the ball in the, in the low 90s, mid 90s, uh, whether it's from 60 feet 6 inches or 61 feet 6 inches, you're still a, a guy who's got dominant power and, and, and you're going to get outs. All right. If I could go back to one thing that you said before we let you go, that that the challenge is to starting pitchers, right, to go deep in the game based on this rule change. It, yeah. But do you feel as though the the change in the game has come because starting pitchers don't want to go deeper in games versus the, the data that is said to teams – we shouldn't have starting pitchers go deeper into games, right? Like, and that's that's the part of the rule that I guess I'm struggling with, which is, I, I, it, it, I don't. I mean, Eric Bedard once upon a time didn't want to go deeper into games. I know, do know that as a fact. But outside right. of that, it, is that really? It feels like the decisions aren't really being made by the starting pitchers themselves, who I think a lot of them would love to stay in, in games deeper, versus the organizations, which is which is interesting only because. You know, you said I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change anything. I'm not gonna challenge pitch counts. I'm not gonna do any of that sort of stuff. So I guess that's why I'm struggling as to what the actual action is here. You know? Well, I think I think uh, you know a lot of organizations, in, for instance, Tampa Bay. Yep. You know, we saw last year in the World Series how they, you know, they were going bullpen by committee. Yep. I mean, they would start a, a bullpen guy and let him go one and bring the next guy in. They'd have seven or eight guys pitching in that uh, particular game, and they did it late. In the year, they did it throughout the year to get them to the World Series and get them through the playoffs. So, you know, it depends on the uh, philosophy of the organization. A lot of these uh, teams are going by bullpen by committee and, and making the, the starting pitcher, uh, pitchers obsolete, you know. But, you know, when you got starters like Serger with, with the Nationals and, you know, you got all these guys that are dominating, Kershaw, uh, uh, Garrett Cole, all these guys that are dominant starters in the major leagues, they want that ball as long as they can go. And, you know, implementing this rule into the minor leagues uh, is going to push starting pitchers to, hey, here's the ball. You know, if you want to stay in this game, if you want to help your team, you know, you better go as long as you can. And I'm all for it. You know, starting pitchers are guys that deserve that rotation, deserve to be in the rotation. Uh, The guys who do not make the rotation to start in five, they go to the bullpen. And they sit down there and wait for their turn. But for a starting pitcher, uh, this rule is a challenge to them. And being in the Atlantic League, saying, "Hey, I got to go as long as I can to keep my not only my team strong, having my best hitters at DH, you know, still into the game. I got to go as long as I can, and it's a challenge to me. So I think it's going to make the guys better." He is Stan Clyburn, manager of the Southern Maryland Blue Crams. Looking forward to having them back out there this summer and. Uh, to see in how these experimental rules play out and, and whether they translate to the rest of the game. Stan Clyburn, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Continued safety and health to you and your family, and look forward to chatting again down the road, all right? 
Yeah, guys, thanks a lot for having me on, and, and it's going to be an interesting summer. Look forward to getting on the field. No doubt. Stan Clyburn with us here on GCR. Today's show brought to you by Window Nation. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color. Plus get 0% interest for 18 months, 866-90NATION, or visit windownation.com. I'm, I got to be honest with you, I am more confused after that conversation than I was going into it. And, and 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 if one of you heard something that I didn't hear or I'm missing something here, I, and I'm not trying to knock Stan Kleiber, and I think that he's being a good company. I think he's saying the right things. We're excited about the rule, and we think it's going to be interesting, all that sort of stuff. Blake Snell didn't want to come out of that game. He made that abundantly clear. Sure. He had zero interest in coming out of the game in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Stan Kleiber is saying as a manager – I'm not going to push pitch counts. So his strategy is not going to change. It wasn't about – I don't think that it was specifically about pitch counts. This is about the third time through the lineup. Whatever it is, if your strategy is not going to change as a manager based on this rule for whatever the decision is as, as an organization. Right, which I don't necessarily believe. I don't know. I mean, it's an easier decision to make in the Atlantic League than it is. Of course, it's, it's far League. different right. in those scenarios. But trying to project this, it, is the, is organizational philosophy going to change based on this rule? For a team that bullpens, maybe. It, because they might be forced to. And I think that's, again, that go, that speaks to an unspoken part of this, that this rule may mean nothing other than trying to do away with bullpenning. Trying to artificially force bullpenning to end, which might be the only part of this that I'm not saying I agree with in any way, well, it's but actually makes sense. Outside of the rare, complete game, it would be removing a DH from the late game. It would be removing a DH. Wait, what? If wouldn't there's be few scenarios yes, where DH is going to be in the lineup stay in the game the, the entire time, right? Yeah. Like, there's almost no doubt about right. that. But I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still struggling here. If you're, if teams are just essentially going to say, well, yeah, we'll just put a pinch hitter in. That's what we're going to do. We're going to. That's crazy. We're yeah, not. I mean, I'm thinking about that even more. You're talking about a third less bat at bats for DHs a year. At least, yeah. it, probably more than that. Yeah. Um, if teams are ju- almost, in fact, significantly less than that, or more than that, I mean, it's, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how many teams are now going to be forced but, but, to play but the, but bad the, defenders, right? Like, can you move the right, DH it, to the trying field? Trying to say that creates some value for guys that can play multiple positions, the 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 super utility guys. Like, I guess, but well, I mean, like, would a team like Minnesota say, "I guess we're going to have to start Nelson Cruz in the outfield sometimes"? You know, I mean, maybe like they, you know, if it's if it's somebody who's that good of a hitter, like, this is why this is all cockamamie to me. I'm just being honest with you. This is this. Of all of the rules that we've talked about, this one so far is the most effing ridiculous that I've come up with. This is ridiculous. Other than, The only thing I can come to is we, we just are so desirous to get rid of bullpenning, and we can't say that, that we've got to figure out some artificial way to get rid of bullpenning, and this is what we came up with. Because there's no, there's no benefit to the game, there's no benefit to a team. Who benefits from this if you're a if you're a super fan of national league baseball starters in theory in theory and if you're assuming the starters who? Are pitch well it's only a making the assumption that teams are too trigger happy with if organizational their... philosophies change then potentially starters could be happier 
But if they're being pushed beyond what's reasonable, they're not going to be happy about that they're either. Performing well when they're pitching more, I get it. And, and but that, it's not as if like we are. How many pitchers in baseball pitch better in their hundredth to hundred twentieth pitch of the game versus? This is sort of I think about reframing pitching, starting pitching in particular. I mean, like you've seen pitchers now like with the the less of an influence. Uh, placed on getting through a lineup three times and the high priority on strikeouts, you see starting pitchers that throw one to two pitches, right? And all they throw are those because it's all they need to get through four or five innings, right? Right. But then if they were to go through the lineup one more time, right, like that's but I would compare exposed. I would, I would compare this to the argument we made related to the shift. If the idea is we think we can start fundamentally getting pitching to change and getting guys to go back to throw more pitches and try to get out pitches and ground ball pitches and not go for mm-hmm. strikeouts, that was the thought years ago that, hey, once the shift gets implemented, baseball is going to catch up. And that at younger ages, players are going to start learning how to uh, assume that they're going to be shifted and so to become better overall hitters. And they didn't. Nothing's changed. It's just all still home runs and strikeouts. And I would take that evidence to say, I don't think we're putting the toothpaste back in the tube. Now, you can say, you know, this is where I've talked about, are you artificially changing the game by banning the shift in order to make hitters better again. Like, yeah, but this who is this bettering? Who is bettered by this? I, I'm 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 so at a loss. The idea that you and we want to challenge pitchers to go deeper into games. I don't just don't think that the problem is outside of, you know, a, a few, you know, I brought up Eric Bedard. I don't think the problem here is that pitchers don't want to go deeper into games. I think overwhelmingly they do. But there's it's not about a challenge. It's not worth it for the team. That's the problem. And if the teams aren't changing their philosophy, and again, I'm only but basing it's this on changing the data. It's changing the data. It's you have to take into account now the drop off and the like. What you're taking on a negative side for taking them out. This is this is. I'm not r- endorsing it. It's this is really th- this is. The evidence that I have here says it, this is either solely about getting rid of bullpenning and and to the detriment of the sport. I mean, we can't we can't hide from this. The guys that you, the super utility guy you're talking about bringing in to hit is not as good as your DH. Well, it's the detriment of the sport if you are to assume that it won't change the philosophy. Which philosophy of the managers of the teams to to keep. But you're combining that with the idea that the pitchers are going to be better in the seventh inning of no. games, the sixth and seventh innings, in order to say it's not to the detriment of the sport. The the truth is, we we don't we don't have data that says right now that there's any reason to think pitchers are going to be better if they pitch deeper into games. We don't have that. No, but it's partially partially due to. What is prioritized in pitchers, right? The high strikeout nature of the game is not conducive to lower pitch counts and pitching deep into the game. That's well, fair. There's definitely no doubt about that. Like it's guys not. like Zach Plesac are still out there pitching seven innings every night, right? Like, I'm not saying they don't exist. There are a handful of guys that still do it. And even in those scenarios where a guy's pitching seven innings, you still present a no scenario doubt. where in the ninth I inning you've got to have a worse hitter at the plate sure. than the guy that you had in the most important part of a baseball game. How is that good for the sport? What What I mean, is the benefit to the sport? Did you have to bat your DH lower? Would you have to? 
I maybe, although some of that's dumb luck, at whatever point in the game you get to the part of the order where the DH is, there's no way to fully know that, right? right? right. Like, still, I, I mean, I, I, I get in theory that you want it, that, you right. want it to be less at bats as a whole for the game, for the guy that might be pulled and replaced by somebody else. Right. But it, th- this really is coming off to me as being com- complete poppycock, just utter. Other than the idea that it's just the way that they're trying to get rid of bullpenning, that this is just this is the only thing we came up with, and I I'm not the wisest baseball person in the world, and I know that there are some people that just love the National League strategy and say I get my I get my rocks off on double switches and I get my rocks off on you know what what's a manager going to do in a certain situation. There's no way that baseball can cater to those people. It is such a small group of people, and the overwhelming majority of society says one of two things. We don't understand it, or we don't give a flying F. There's zero way that it would be smart to cater to those people. This is, this is horrendous. If Stan Clyburn has said to me, I've got to really, really reconsider every decision that I make as a manager now, maybe I I listen to it a little bit more. Maybe I think there's some more validity to it. I don't know. I keep coming back to this is absurd. I mean, this is purely theater of the absurd. And I, you know, I get that that's our reaction to everything, that we just don't like change. Like, I, I certainly understand that. But this is beyond that. I'm trying to hear it out. I'm trying to listen to it. And I'm, I'm coming up with nothing. I'm striking out in any value of this whatsoever and why it was even thought of. And also, you can't... If Clyron actually believes what he says, you know, I can... I know Ross Grimsley would listen to what he was saying and would be nodding his head, right? Like... Well, I mean, I have no doubt that there that are... If, that old, if the old guard of baseball the, is probably, the, like, has their but sort the, of... But the old guard of baseball would then have to be challenged by the data that says guys aren't as good deeper into games, and their they would, answer they is just argue, go, go deeper anyway. They would argue, well, they didn't used to have to be that way. They well, would argue there are plenty of guys that used to be just as good in the seventh inning as they were in the first yeah, inning. I, like, I don't know that the data actually backs that up, though. Well, I think that hitters are also better. I don't know. Yes, I think there's a lot of things that, that, that play into that. I think there's, but again, you're tr- even if that's true, even if the scenario is we can make, we can build it, we have the technology, we can make pitchers that are better deep into, into games in the next 20 years, mm-hmm. even if that's true, you still have to measure that by the trade-off of the late innings are the most exciting portion of your product, mm-hmm. and now you're creating a scenario where a worse hitter is coming to the plate in the late innings. Yep. And every now and then, that leads to a Brett Phillips, right? Every now and then, it creates some dramatic moment where Taylor Teagarden does something special. But for the most part, in the moment, it's bad for baseball to have a worse hitter at the plate than the good hitter that would have come to the plate. It's not beneficial as a whole. You can't convince me, but there's a trade-off for we might get a few more seven-inning starts versus in the most important parts of games, we're going to have worse hitters at the plate. Those two things don't mesh as a whole. Again, the only thing I come back to is that this is entirely about gambling. This is entirely about the, the gambling companies saying, we're the reason why you exist and make so much money we need to know who starting pitchers are going to be because that's how people gamble. That's the only thing I can come back to. I mean, otherwise, this is 
nonsense, other, I mean, complete nonsense to me. Utter and completely nonsense. Yes, Ben Ben from San Francisco, 100%. It kills the open. It kills bullpenning of any concept. It kills an opener. It kills bullpenning. And if that's, again, they won't say that. They won't come out and say that because they're manipulating the game if that's the case. They're trying to find, if that's if this is what this is about, they're trying to find something that just so happens to do those things. And that's not to say that the Rays not, couldn't then, you know, strike back and find a new way to manipulate whatever the new oh, rules I'm, are, I'm right? Sure, to find that's what they would look to do right, is like to try to find defensive substitutions and whatever it might. I don't know how they would do it, but I'm sure they would figure something out to make it or 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 hilariously or, furthering right. the extent in which they go to have a pitcher start and then send him down. And and skip starts and and do whatever it is they have to do in order to try to find the next thing they can manipulate right. to always be in ahead of the curve. That's of course what they would look to do. But for baseball, do they care less if they can just get the announcement of a starting pitcher? Is this really about baseball just wanting teams to announce a starting pitcher for each game that that humans can decide to bet on or not bet on? Is that really what this is about? I, I can't shake that because there's no other way in which it seems like a benefit. Why is it a benefit to anyone? I mean, I guess maybe you could argue more people would want to buy a ticket if they know it's a starting pitcher. It like I'm trying to make this not if not if he's crap. That's the problem. That's what I'm trying to like. Is anybody on the planet more inclined to buy a ticket to an Orioles game because Jorge Lopez is the starting pitcher versus the Orioles just saying outright this is going to be a bullpen game? And I get it, you want there to be more quality starting pitchers, but can you artificially make there to be more quality starting pitchers? Look, I think that, or for what it's worth, I say no, but at the same time, right, like, Jorge Lopez is a bad example, because you never expect he's, anything. Well, he's terrible, right. I get that. Like, but if it were... You're going to argue... I'm not going to do the Zimmerman bit. I think that you still, as a fan of baseball, whenever you go to game, you're like, okay... I wonder if the starter's going to have a good game today. Yes, there's the, the, the magical thought that you could be there last night. Right. My buddy who went to the game in Chicago last right. night that had no idea they were there to, to see a no-hitter. Right. There's that magical feeling every time you go to a baseball game that maybe I'm here to see something special. And the moment that you right. know that it's a bullpen game, you know you're not seeing that. I, I understand what you're saying. I get us wanting to have better starting pitching in general. Sure. I just don't... I... All right. Anyway, anyway, if you got something that I'm not thinking about, by all means, you know, tell me. But I, I am not feeling it whatsoever. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan and Bill Ordine had a great chat on Facebook Live about uh, the sports betting situation after the bill was passed in the state of Maryland. You can find that right now by clicking on the videos tab at facebook.com/pressboxsports, or you can see it at pressboxonline.com tonight. Um, a great conversation with John Maroon, of course, the longtime Orioles PR guy and now Cal Ripken's PR man. Um, Stan and Gary are going to catch up with him to talk about how they're moving into the world of NIL, of name, image, likeness with college sports. Should be a fascinating conversation. That's tonight, Facebook Live. And again, all of Stan's shows brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. You know what? Tidbits brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. By the way, I, hang on a second. I, I had two people ask me if I'm gonna bring if I'm gonna talk about Brett Favre's comments. No. What would I say? What would I possibly say? And I know, you know, I, I think Kyle's capable of separating his like I love Brett mm-hmm. Favre from 
Brett, we know who Brett Favre is. This is not this is not something interesting or new. This is not some new concept. Brett Favre has made it very clear who he is in recent years. So in the same way that I'm not interested when someone who always says the same thing. He is wholly representative of a certain portion of the discussion. Correct. So it's not interesting. It's not. And and if someone who's always said one thing suddenly says something else, perhaps there's something interesting to be said about that. But someone who's consistently said the same thing over and over again, whatever their opinion is, it's just not interesting. It's the same reason why I don't watch those types of, of talk shows. It's the same reason why you should never start a sentence to me, well, Clay Travis, I don't give a rat's ass. People that just say the same thing over and over again and play to a crowd does not interest me in any way. I don't think it's a relevant opinion. I guess I did. There you go. C3 American Exteriors. Get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3, 410-401-9797, or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. Tidbit. Tidbit of the day. So. Oh, oh, hang on a second. I just, you know, our buddy Simon Habdemarium's gotten into the pizza business. Has he? Yes. He runs a, a Baltimore pizza company now. Really? He's been doing uh, pop-up events, and he's been doing... Um, I have no idea. He's, he's making some more formal... That's exciting. Good for him. He's doing a pizza pop-up. I'm just I'm going to give him a free plug for this. He's doing one on uh, on April 30th, and um, he's named a pizza the Glen. Oh. It's... <laughs> this is such a good... This is a, by the way, it's still giving me way more credit. Named after moderately famous internet radio show host <laughs> and Simon's friend, Glenn Clark. Cauliflower crust white pizza topped with dill pickles, garlic, and mozzarella. It's literally the one, this right? This is basically the thing yeah. that we made together yeah. one day in I'm the- I'm sure he's uh, like perfected the, it. The Route 66 kitchen. Right. I am wiling out. Uh, so I will be there. I will be ordering probably four of them. Simon, I love you, buddy. Uh, that is that is very kind, very sweet of you. Probably low key a dream of Glenn's. You know what? If you had told me as a kid that one day I could either have I'm trying to think of other things uh, that I could win the Masters or have a pizza <laughs> named after me, and I'm not kidding about this, I would take having the pizza named after me. I feel bigger than Hideki Matsuyama right now. That's that's how much that means. I love you, pal. I am. Um, and he had kind of hinted to me that there was something coming because I kept pushing him about it. I was like, because he'd been doing these pizza pop-ups, and I was like, bro, I want to come support you, but you got to make, you got to make some cauliflower crust pizzas, and I would prefer you to make ours. And he's literally making ours. It I was am, delicious. It was so good. We went in one morning after there was a craze about pickle pizzas, and Simon and I went into his you know, Route 66 kitchen, and um, we just. We knocked out a, a cauliflower pizza, a crust pickle pizza, and it was really tasty. And so now he's putting it on the menu. That's awesome, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail you, but I just. That, but you uh, did. That, but you uh, did mean that, to re- that really tickled me. That really tickled me a great deal. Um, uh, you can find out more. Search Baltimore Pizza Company or Baltimore Pizza CO on Facebook to find out more about what he's doing on April 30th, which is in the middle of the NFL draft, by the way. And so that's going to be a good time for you to hang out and eat some pizza. Tidbit. So 
we've not discussed this much as far as the Ravens' passing game is concerned, but they are not only deficient at the wide receiver position, the running backs for the Ravens, well, leave something to be desired when it comes to the passing game. In fact, in the past two seasons, Ravens running backs have seen just 101 targets in that span. 18 fewer than the second fewest of any team in football, which is the Titans. For what it's worth, for reference, the Chargers, who rank first in that department, more than three times as many targets as the Ravens. as 338 of their passes have gone the way of running back. And in and, and what's the time frame? In two seasons. So Lamar Jackson's, you know, yeah. essentially well, starting but, career for the Ravens. But but keep in mind one of those seasons in San Diego was Phillip Rivers. Well, this isn't about the not, Chargers, Glenn. This is about I the I understand Ravens. that. The Saints are in second. How about that? I mean so. kind of fits the bill, dog. I'm talking about aging quarterbacks that cannot throw the ball. Justin Herbert targeted Eckler almost twenty times. Well in he also game. has Austin Eckler in fairness. But that one of those seasons also happened to be I don't know what point you're trying to make. This isn't about the team that leads the league. This is about the team that does not I lead understand the that, but I'm just you're derailing it's, me I'm saying it's not all that Chargers. surprising that the guys saying that don't have as strong a arm. I'm not saying it because it was the teams. I'm saying it because of the number. All right. I'm trying all to right. give the scale to I the Ravens attempts. I understand that, but I think getting hung up on the wrong I think thing this here. this is also relevant in the discussion. You know what? I'm just going straight to the trigger. I want to see you struggle. Forget the rest of it. You've annoyed me. All right, there are five running backs in NFL history, with a thousand, no, I said that wrong, 11 or more 1,000 yard scrimmage seasons. There are five, five running backs with 11, 11 or, or more 1,000 yards from scrimmage seasons. seasons. In, in the history of football. Yes. Well, I will struggle with this. You're probably right about that. Frank Gore. 12. He is in second. <sighs> Longevity. Longevity for running backs is what we're looking for here. Uh, I'll still say Emmett Smith. First, 14. There are three players now tied for third with 11. Problem is, I don't think LaDainian Tomlinson quite got there. He is not. Um. Obviously, Barry Sanders didn't get there. Curtis Martin. No. A little surprised by that. Certainly not Terrell Davis. No. Edgerin James. No. I bet he got close. Well, he didn't make the list, but. Adrian Peterson. No. Marcus Allen. 11 for Marcus Allen. Longevity. Longevity is what I'm struggling with here. Walter Payton. No. Seems like it'd be foolish to not say Jim Brown. No. Marshall Falk. 11 for Marshall Falk. Tony Dorsett. No. Mm. How about I mean Thurman Thomas? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. 
I should probably say the guys that I think are is what I should probably do, but this is a this is a tough one. Because uh, you got talking all that smack about the Chargers. I wasn't really talking smack as much as I was trying to give context, Chief. Yeah, well, might have been a softer landing into this trivia. Um, how Jer- Jerome Bettis? I don't think so. No, nope. I didn't think so. I don't think Eric Dickerson. Nope. Franco Harris. Nope. Rigo. Nope. Eleven years is a really long time. Well, eleven seasons of this. So eleven years. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it works. No, maybe. You don't Uh, know that. Warwick Dunn. That is correct. Really? (laughs) Eleven times. For Warwick Dunn. That's the last one. Yeah. Jeez. As a pull it out of the ass type of. I mean, I could have been here all day if that had not been That's the what I was hoping. I know. I know you were. What a jerk you are. All right. Uh, Tubular is brought to you by Home Team Masks. Uh, home Team Masks are available at pressboxonline.com slash masks. If you want to go to a baseball game, you got to wear a mask. It's simple as that. So why wouldn't you wear one that represents your favorite teams, your favorite players? Go get them right now. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. Here's coming up. Totally tubular this evening. Or actually, it starts this afternoon. Orioles-Mariners doubleheader starting at 1235 on Masson. First game, Marco Gonzalez and Matt Harvey. Second game, Justin Dunn and Bruce Zimmerman. Masson also has Nationals Diamondbacks tonight. And it's on MLB Network and the rest of the country. MLB Network has Phillies Mets at noon, Indians White Sox at 3, uh, Blue Jays Royals locally at 8 because the rest of the country is getting the Nationals, and then Rockies Dodgers joined in progress late tonight. NBC Sports Washington, Sabres Capital 7, NBCSN, Panthers Lightning at 7, ESPN, the WNBA Draft tonight at 7, TNT, Bucks Hawks at 7.30, Celtics Lakers at 10. I guess it's Collier from Texas who's going number one in the WNBA Draft, right? She's a hell of a player, man. She is good. Uh, Golf Channel round one of the PGA Tour Heritage event at 3 o'clock. Hey, what's the tournament that uh, Jordan Spieth won two weeks ago? The Pringles Open. Very good. When you're right, you're right. Access TV for Impact Wrestling at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, You like the Moody's, 9.30 I, I on Fox. Do. By the way, I watched uh, Home Economics yeah, it's last enjoyable. night. It's, it's not the best, but it's I, I don't think it's got much staying power. It I think not. it's going to be gone. It could be a little too cheesy quick. sometimes. And that's the problem. The problem is... It's not like raunchy it's, enough. It's not even a, it doesn't have to be raunchy. Like, you know. It just doesn't go for the funny as much as it goes. It feels like it wants to be Modern Family. And you, you forget that Modern Family, while, like, it was very sweet, it was mixed with, like, real slapstick humor. Yeah, for sure. Like, legitimate, downright funny in there. You can be sweet and still be really funny. This one was too much sweet, not enough funny. I'm not... I would watch another ep. I would stick with it. I watched the one last night. It was I don't similar, similar I, kind of vibe. Yeah. But I think it's like it's gonna blow up at some point. You know what I mean? I, so d- I don't have hopes I for it being you. one that has staying power. Fair enough. Um, really, nothing too crazy going on tonight. If you're being honest, what are you into? Sitcoms? Check it out. GlennClarkRadio.com. Okay, okay. Law and Order. You a fan? No. Well, it's on at nine and ten. So All right. NBC. All right. Very good. 
Thanks today to uh, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman. Thanks also to Bo Smolka and to Stan Clyburn, manager of the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the tab at glenclarkradio.com. Slater to have a fairly busy day tomorrow. A uh, couple heavy. of draft prospects. Jason uh, Oa from Penn State, who's one of the top pass rush prospects in the draft. Um, as well as Nico Collins, who's the wide receiver from Michigan that is regularly talked about as being perhaps a unique Ravens fit because of his size and his his physicality, mm-hmm. that that might mesh more with what the Ravens are trying to do if they are you know looking beyond the first round. Finding a guy, Nico Collins from Michigan, comes up a lot. So we're scheduled to chat with him tomorrow as well. We're scheduled to chat with Charlie Casserly tomorrow. Um, he's got a new mock draft out at NFL.com. He's got the Ravens going with Joe Tryon from Washington. So we will talk with him about that and stuff and things. things. Kyle's Kitchen, I haven't gotten the hat oh, yet. Oh, that's but right. We got it. What's up with the hat? It's shipping. <sighs> Also hoping that I can get it. I mean, I'm hoping a friend can get me one, but we'll see. I can't right. make any But I, I really I like. Content. I would really like that. I have. Content. I do like that. I'm excited about Kyle's Kitchen. You know I what? I like the hat. Give you a teaser. Sure. Sexy rice. Ooh, that's how I like my rice. Everybody knows I like my rice. I like my. I like my. Oh, I don't want to say that. Don't eat both. I was gonna make a joke there, and I, I just realized probably, yeah, yeah. not gonna make it. Yeah. All right. Um. <laughs> And it's not called sexy. I call it sexy rice. So uh, remind me to make the joke after yeah, you go yeah, off the fine. air. It's sure, funny. Sure. It's funny. Right. Make sure the mics are off. No, yeah, they will be. All right. All right. Uh, thanks to uh, everybody at Pressbox. All of them are great sponsors and partners. The U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, Exxon Mobil, KNS Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealers, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks, Kyle Ottenheimer. Find him on Twitter, at Kay Ottenheimer. He's a sad, lonely man. He could use it. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.